Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stream Queens podcast, where we usually review horror films and horror-adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is my co-host, who always sends chills down my spine, Mars. Hello. Hey, girl. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited because we have a very exciting episode this week. I know you've all been dying to hear us review the Chernobyl Diaries, that excellent found footage film that we all remember so fondly, but too bad. We're going to be talking about something a little bit different. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer because we have two very special guests joining us tonight. We're going to be talking about their new horror anthology, Chills Down Your Spine, with director extraordinaire Matt Keister. (laughs) Hello, hello. Uh, I'm happy to be on, Rachel, and I I can't wait to be slammed and bludgeoned with the film series of Laura Mulvey tonight. I can't wait. Gone. <laughs> Here I was trying to be nice, and I should have known. I should have known. I'm talking to you tonight. It's gonna be. We never can just play nice. <laughs> and also joining us is I don't know what to call you. Uh, you are the host cinematographer, but also just sort of like the one human being I... alive who can make technology work around Matt. Uh... <laughs> true. True story. So like everything that Matt doesn't do, I do basically, and. First line assistant editor, right? Yeah, and and don't forget that, because I do make edits, whether you like it or not. And sometimes they're accepted. Um, I can feel feel this is going to be a fiery conversation. Is this the night the Dead Lantern breaks up? No, so... uh, There's been a lot uh, of nights like that. (laughs) In all fact, I am the only Dead Lantern original that has never quit. So um, there there you have it. Uh, Tony actually now is tied with me because he has not yet to quit too. But like, I, I feel it's coming. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Just hang in there for that title. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, this is DJ. I didn't get to say your name for those who don't. I mean, if they're listening to this feed, they probably already know those dulcet tones from our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little more lit up for this cast than I would for any of our other casts. Yeah, uh, this one I don't have to be smart on. So I know, the drinking I don't, I don't starts have to early. Think deep. It's nice. Yeah, we're not going to be talking about the themes, Psy King. Uh... No more anus. <laughs> no. Yeah, no more anus talk. We talked about anuses a lot last night. <laughs> what did I agree to? Come on, I don't, I don't... What is this show? What's the... What is this podcast? <laughs> what, you didn't know this is the anus cast? I, I thought no you said idea. this was the no more anus cast. <laughs> what did I come on? <laughs> oh, please, Mars. I know, you. I usually get into anuses later in the podcast when you've had a couple more drinks, but we're yeah. just... Right out the gate this time. Buttholes so, are at least a second act at topic. At yeah. least. And, and don't act like you're above talking Number about a butthole. Two. I have a lot a of outtakes of us talking about buttholes on this show. Yeah, outtakes. <laughs> I'm going to tell my mom not to listen to this show. Oh, God. <laughs> so anyways, we're super excited to have you guys on. And like in full disclosure, obviously, I'm friends with you guys. But that being said, one of the reasons I'm, I was no, I was worried I'd be dreading to talk about this, but... The anthology is pretty freaking great, you guys. I think it's your best work to date. No. I will. I, you don't think so? <laughs> well, that I've seen. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you go watch Isabel, you'll obviously see our our best work to date. Um, this is False. like probably third, maybe a close second, but angling for third. Lies okay. and slander. <laughs> go ahead. But yeah, seriously, though, like, I think I should be really proud of this one. I know that you guys want to be self-effacing, but I genuinely think it's pretty great work. So, but before we get into that, 
and I want to hear all about the background of chills, all that kind of stuff. We have a little tradition on the show. It's like a little warm-up question. And by tradition, I mean we've done this once before, so this time it will technically be a tradition. We ask some, like, goofy warm-up questions. There are ongoing debates that we have on the show that we need you guys to weigh out on. Are you into mm. it? It has nothing to do with news, correct? No, no, okay. definitely not. Absolutely not. Okay, so the first one is easy. This is just to give you a false sense of security. And it is, what is your favorite cryptid, and do you believe it's real? Uh, the Mothman. Ooh, and no. good one. Okay, all right, all right. But what about the bridge? I mean, you've seen that documentary with... No. None of the, <laughs> spoiler alert, none of the cryptids are real, guys. It's, it's cool to think about. It's, uh, you know, human beings, uh, life in and of itself is boring and so human beings must create narratives and stories to make life interesting cryptids are super interesting i love listening about them love reading about them uh but come on none of them are real mars counterpoint (laughs) (laughs) i mean my my favorite cryptid is also the mothman all right uh i don't i don't know that i think the last time we did this question i also said i don't know that i believe any of them are real unless you count aliens but that's yeah. not a cryptid. Right. But it's adjacent. Mm. Okay. All right. <laughs> How about you, Deej? Do you have a favorite does, cryptid? Does Bigfoot count? Totally. Yeah, he's a cryptid. He's like the okay. king of the cryptids. So, like, I, um, I, I, I kind of personally like to believe that... Okay, so if you, if you think about how mammals evolved, and this is a fun one to do with fungus. <laughs> um, it goes super deep, and uh, I'm not going to go all the way there. But, like... The reason mammals conquered uh, early on after the asteroid hit is because reptiles succumbed to, like, fungus and other issues, and we didn't. But our earliest uh, ancestors were, like, little hairy creatures that were probably cute mole rats coming out of the ground, although mole rats don't have hair. So maybe a chipmunk. Let's go with chipmunk because they're cuter. Um, So in essence, (sighs) if we evolved where we're at now... There's got to be a hairy version of me somewhere. I'm already pretty hairy. Look in the mirror, and, dude. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> and so I can imagine in a world that exists today that there is a guy that's like, I don't know, 20 times hairier than me that is wandering around the forest because his girlfriend broke up with him because he stopped shaving his chest and like now he's Bigfoot. And that makes perfect sense to me. So no, I believe no, that, that Bigfoot that does exist. not make him Bigfoot. That <laughs> makes him a hairy human being in the forest. <laughs> I have size 15 shoes. How big of foot do you need before you are Bigfoot? Yeah, but you also got to be like eight feet tall. Well, I mean, I'm six one, so which like, is not eight feet. No, yeah. but it's like I'm I'm within spitting distance, and I graduated with a kid that was seven two. So how hard by the be? transitive property of height, you are also here's what, I think, <laughs> here's, what, here's what I think, DJ. I think you don't really know what cryptids are, so you pick the the monster in the Pacific Northwest that you're most familiar with, and you said Bigfoot. Now the real question is, what is the plural of Bigfoot? Is it Bigfoot or Big Feet? Big feet, that obviously. That is the ultimate question. Big feet? And, and, no, feet. Feet with an S. Big, because big feet. It's not a traditional f- feet. It's a feet. Oh, He's a feet of I nature. I missed the splatter cast, guys. I know, I know. <laughs> and you're right. I have no idea what a cryptid is. I was just like, well, I guess it's a monster. <laughs> and I'm going to pick Bigfoot because like, that's my favorite monster today because I'm drinking out of a Bigfoot cup. Wow, full circle. <laughs> okay, so that turned out to be more controversial than I thought. But this is the real big controversy that is an ongoing debate that has 
spanned multiple episodes and many people have weighed in and it is undecided. So I want you guys to make the definitive answer today. Okay. Okay. All right. Is it rude to take off your shoes when you go into someone's house for the first time or is it rude to leave them on? What kind of flooring? Doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It does? It does. I mean, your feet are still your feet. No, 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 no. It matters. So (laughs) I have a house that has 100-year-old floors that are made out of soft pine that are finished and stained and beautiful. Okay, I see where you're going. And if you roll into my house with your shoes on, you're going to fuck my floor up. You're going to mess it up like a Fight Club episode. It's going to (laughs) be awful. Uh, That floor is going to look like it's got rocks in it and he scratched it. I don't know what you're going to do, but it's bad. So it is disrespectful to me and to my beautiful floor for you to walk into my house with your shoes on and so you should take them off but if you are in matt's house and you have carpet then like who gives a shit the carpet is probably like speckled and you can't even tell if it has trash in it doesn't matter no big deal you go shoeless no shoeless no problem life is fine Okay, but what is your what is your go to move when you go into a, someone's house that has carpet? Do your shoes oh, stay on? I pay their do... floors the same respect that I pay my own. If I see nice floors, my shoes are off and on the rug. And if their floors are of regular human endurance, I uh, leave my shoes on. I don't give a crap. Okay, that's this is a, a DJ. You have surprised me twice, which should not surprise. What? <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, Matt. What Bigfoot do? Um, <laughs> I know those big old size fifteens. You're just clomping yeah, I, around. All I, right. I, re- I reject the framing of the question entirely. Okay. I'm going to go. Oh I'm my go, god! Uh, outside Fucking the box contrarian. here. Well, okay. no, 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 no. Because the the correct thing is, did you ask the person what they prefer before you walk into their house? Okay. So if you're walking into somebody's house for the very first time, you're not going to know what that person who owns that abode prefers so the common courtesy would be like would you like me to take my shoes off or would you like to leave it on and then the onus is on you rachel to make that decision (laughs) okay well uh, let me premise of your question all right well allow me to provide you with a wrinkle so you are going to someone's house for the first time and they're gonna you're gonna beat them there but they're like don't worry doors unlocked head in what do you do if i know i'm going in there for the first time and you're saying matt head on in doors in I will say, okay, we'll do. Do you want me to put my shoes, keep my shoes on or off? And then you, you say, you would reply, texting on the road while driving, yeah, dangerously, for cleaning sure. into the, the, the or, ditches or of Nebraska. What do, or what I would do is I would just sit on your front steps and hope I don't get murdered, uh, <laughs> and simply <laughs> wait for you to show up. That's, That's what, what I, I would do. do. That's yeah. what. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like the 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 concept of someone just walking into somebody else's house. And being selfish enough that they make the decision of some what they're doing in someone else's house is very strange and odd to me. Well, so first you of all, say... if you've never been into the house before, would you, like, as a, a fellow friend, like, if you've never been to my house and I'm like, oh, yeah, just come on in, that is weird to begin with, right? Like, what if I have, like, I don't know, condoms strewn all over the place or, like... Uh, well, I would assume uh, that you would not say come on in if you had a bunch of used condoms on your well, side. Well, don't be I so I mean, sure. maybe I'm... Yeah, like, <laughs> Maybe you know, I then you probably can just leave your shoes on. Like if condoms are on the table, <laughs> shoes are on the feet. 
but I, like I guess what I'm saying is like reasons for it's you. super weird and uncomfortable for both parties involved if you're just like yeah come on in and then the other person has to like come in and like not like they're almost like okay. treading light Agreed. ice because they but come to your is house hypothetical I'm just trying to like brass tax this you know what mm. I mean like if you were in a situation where you could not ask someone can't should I take my shoes off or not would you think the rude thing is to keep them on or to take them off? If there's no consent, then you need to stay outside the house. Yeah, agreed. See, you guys are trying to break the premise, but you're... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, like, let's go along this hypothetical We're journey. next leveling this, well, Rachel. Get no, on I the mean, trolley. I, oh I actually, I, I used your premises, and I, like, laid out the rules. And for me, the rules are, like, nice floors versus regular floors. If you have nice floors, like... I accept, your, I accept your answer. Matt's I find cowardly. Let's move oh, but, wow. but see, I'm on that side. I would also linger outside of the house if unsure. But you've answered the question. You keep the shoes on unless specifically asked to remove them because you hate feet with the fiery Yeah, but if I'm going in with no one to check Mm -hmm. against, yeah, I'm lingering outside. Well, wait, are we talking naked feet or like in between like socks? Okay. I mean, whatever happens to be in your shoe. Well, see, that also changes the concept because what if if I've been running like on like a nice Mm -hmm. long two, two mile run and you're like, come on in. But I'm like, well. But my feet are sweaty and they're going to stink awful if I okay. take my shoes off. <laughs> you know, so well, not just again, that, it's... but like you so walking happens... into my house and like leaving wet spots everywhere you step because right. your sweaty feet are like goobin all over my wood floor. Oh, so many would, words in that sentence that I are hated. I would be really <laughs> disgusted and like appalled by you clomping and slomping through my place. Who came so, up okay. with this question? Like, was this a you question, Rachel? You you thought? Um... <laughs> this feels like a Rachel question to me. <laughs> okay, wait. I wanted additional follow-up question so say your dogs are barking and you get to somebody's house and they ask you to take your shoes off at that point do you just turn around and leave or do you unleash the beast friendship over you're never going back to that house (laughs) (laughs) there's no right answer here you sacrifice the relationship and you're like i'm sorry we all make choices well you you kind of need to take this to the next level so like okay take it matt rolls into my house okay he's been running he's got sweaty ass feet and i'm like listen my flus are or my floors are nice Mm -hmm. and you cannot step on them with your shoes because you'll get rocks on them and so matt like is on the rug takes his shoes off and my dogs my actual dogs run up and start licking his feet (laughs) like where does that scenario come in and like what do you do because like that's the permit like all over their mouths well, he's like he's getting his bodily fluids in my dog's mouth. Right. Plus, like I know now that on top of his regular man okay. juice, he's got dog juice on his feet. And then at that point, do I just ask him to turn around and leave? I don't because, know. Tell me. I mean, I think I would actually. See, now I'll really... even go even a little bit further with yeah, this scenario <laughs> because if if you're talking like I find it incredibly rude of the host if they have animals. To, if, like let's say, let's say let's say DJ has invited me over to his house and I said okay DJ I've done the the uh, the, the prerequisite of asking him would you like my shoes on or off he gives me the answer I walk in and then he lets his animals jump all over me I find that incredibly rude and I would well, probably they're not be jumping, like they're just would, licking your feet no, no. hey man oh, God. Can't say I still, licking your feet I anymore I still find those dog tongues licking and slobbering all over my feet to be that comfortable rude. Sandpaper massaging every corner <laughs> yeah. of your toe yeah. and in your joints and like, like, like along uh, your like I, I have a friend that every time that Alyssa and I go over, I hate this. Their dog just jumps all over us, just jumps all over us, and I'm just kind of like, you know, 
You invited so, me over. You, I, I don't want an animal jumping all on top of me. You I take mean. that to the next level, and you have a friend who has a dog that's a nervous peer or an excited peer. And so not only does it jump all over you, but it urinates all over you at the same time as it's jumping all over you. This is like and a <laughs> twisted version of our, like, divine comedy. Like, we're going the different layers of hell here. Like, <laughs> well, next leveling up. It, is it okay to have your dog come at your friend's what? dog, lick your okay. feet? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> no, it is not. And if they agree to follow it up by hand cleaning your feet with, like, a Clorox wipe. Mm, is that rude? Maybe. Does that make it not rude anymore? Does he have to kiss my feet when he's done? I mean, that's the only way to be sure that they're clean. Like, you get that's like a way. I mean, we're, we're retiring this question, like, Rachel. People we're retiring it. I can't too. do this again. People can lick, too. Well, it's a little biblical to have to clean someone else's feet. I don't really know that I, like, want to be the foot washer of anybody that comes in my Here we go, house. Well, I mean, that's, okay, that's now the we're social real, contract, then. I'm you sorry, can't. sorry, Rachel, we're hijacking your podcast here. Okay, please here. do. Please. Uh, but I want to say, now let's go, let's go to the ultimate level here. Okay. G- Jesus knocks on your door. He ain't wearing <laughs> shoes. He ain't wearing nothing. He, he's dirty. And Jesus is like, I'm coming on in. Do you say, whoa, bro, <laughs> clean your shoes, or clean your feet first, or do you do you let him in with dirty feet? Why would that guy's he been, like, walking barefoot for too long. Yeah. So he's got, like, calluses. every kind of rock and dirt and kind of goob and any grossness. Oh, yeah, those calluses would scratch up your wood mm-hmm. floors. So you're, yeah, telling, no. you're telling Jesus to stay outside. Is that what No, you're no, no. At that point, if you know that Jesus is coming and, like, this guy's a barefoot tour, then you basically need to say, like, listen, dude. Here's some clean slippers that I keep next to my door for for guests, like some clean room type of things. Put those on, and then you're golden, bro. Come on in. You're going to robe yourself out. We got this. But you you can't touch my floors with your steak-ass shit feet. That's not going to happen. Some, like, footies or something. Yeah, exactly. You've been to, like, a a nice place where they have, like, the the white booties that go over your regular shoes so you don't Mm -hmm. contaminate the area. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of those right there. Done. Yeah. Okay. Game on. And actually, you know what? That actually solves all of these problems from beginning to end because you don't have to ask them whether they want to go shoeless or not yes. shoeless. They can do whatever they want. You just yeah. provide booties shit. that are clean and that maybe have some odor eaters in them for the people that are Matt's dogs wandering around like stinking shit up. And then like maybe <laughs> an anti-dog spray on there too so that like you don't this. have the animals licking the feet. That's great. And then we're golden. Yeah. It's just you just have booties on hand for yep. anybody who enters your house. And oh my so, god, that's go. it. Ultimate solution, this, question answered. Yeah, just to be retired. <laughs> At now, what point drop in this conversation did your like spirit leave your body, Mars? Oh, about ten to fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Mars takes issue with a very particular scene in your film that involves a foot, but we'll, we'll get there. Scene that involves a foot. Yeah, oh. now I'm confused. Like, I don't even remember you... a scene that involves a foot. And I made the movie. Okay, well we'll get there. We'll get there. I can't wait to espouse about why I chose that. I, I, I'm male just surprised gaze you foot. watched no. all three hours of it. So good job. Way, way to go, you. Way to go, me. <laughs> Are you regretting having us on right, right yet, right? No, because I feel like you may have solved a problem. It's okay. Of course. I have other foot-related questions, like whether or not you wash your feet in the shower that I can save for the next guest. So. No, you don't wash your feet in the shower. That's you just obvious. What? <laughs> you don't no, wash your feet in the shower, you freak show? What are you from, talking about? You don't just let gravity do the work? Like it, it yeah, yeah. From your feet 
from no. your knees down, you if you're taking your a shower, there's no knees. You soak, no knees? You so- you soak to knees, and then you figure, yeah. like, Yeah, knees, it all drips knees. downhill, okay. and, like, your okay. feet are, are, like, stomping see, around and cleaning food. Now my whole my whole mindset's on tilt now. I, I look at you both completely differently. Well, here's um, the thing, though. So I don't actually take showers that often. I take baths. <laughs> I'm a bath person. <laughs> And I, I, I do like remember this... you podcasting from a bath tube once many years <laughs> yes, ago. Yes. That is like I um I had lived in a household where there was only showers for quite some time, <laughs> and I finally had the luxury of what rich people experience called soaking. <laughs> and and once I did that, because you're one, I was like, now. you know what, this is it. Um, that's where I'm at. And like honestly, but you don't feel you... like that's dirt soup that you're just in. No, 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 no. Okay, so oh, even so that last dish that comes out of the sink yeah. where the 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 bubbles is sort of left and the water's brown. Is still ninety percent water, ten percent cleaning solution. Done. Don't even worry about it. Put it in the dryer. Oh my god! See now golden. I'm getting grossed out, Mars. Now I'm like checked out. I'm like, you don't yeah. want to think about DJ Soup? I don't understand. Oh god, no! I re- oh Jesus! And like, it's I also just... take two baths a day. So then this that guy way, won't I, like, two baths walk... a day. You're like an <laughs> ecological nightmare. Oh, god. That's so bad for the planet. I mean, you know, water evaporates. I, yeah, it, water water it goes back, back into the water cycle. I've seen it in nature, probably. <laughs> oh my goodness! Welcome to the stream, queens. <laughs> Remember, you contacted me. <laughs> I did. I did. Worth it. Absolutely worth it. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So now that we've gotten the important questions out of the way, let's talk about this bullshit movie. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because they haven't had the opportunity to see it yet. Tell our audience about Chills. What's the deal with this movie? DJ? Uh, so, basically, oh, between God. other movies, <laughs> we decided that we were just going to film a couple of shorts. And, like, this built into this, like, sort of um, epic uh, wax ball rolling down the hill, picking up everything, like that video game from... Uh, 2014, I don't know what it's called, with the sun god and, like, the goop sticking to it. But anyway, regardless of that explanation, um, what happened is we're, like, filming these shorts, and we're You're like, what failing. do we do with these? You are failing hardcore right now. <laughs> and so, and I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I know, and you let, me, you let me pick it up. I was hoping that you would just jump in and, like, explain everything because guess what? Matt is the guy who thinks about all this stuff. I'm the guy who shows okay. up, and they're like, so, DJ, you need to film this thing. Here, here's, here's, here's what happened. So Shivers Down Your Spine was a, a horror anthology that we had put out in 2015. And at the end of Shivers Down Your Spine, um, I was so completely burned out on filmmaking because I'd also done uh, The Eyes of Isabel sort of simultaneously. Best movie that. ever. So we had shot these two feature-length films essentially simultaneously over the past three or four years. And, and I was done. I, w- I was out of it. And so long comes our friend uh, Mark Popejoy, uh, who worm-tongued me into starting Chills Down Your Spine. Now, Chills Down Your Spine, the ideas and the concepts of it, uh, I had already planned while I was shooting Shivers Down Your Spine. Because Shivers right. Down Your Spine was not supposed to be a horror anthology. We took a bunch of shorts that we had shot for a web series that never happened because uh, we can't we can't hit deadlines. <laughs> so, 
we took all the we had all these short films we're like well what do we do with them and so we created the wraparound device after the fact which was sort of a meta commentary so um megan garcia's character would talk would tell steve a story and then when we come back from the story steve uh meta commentary on everything we did wrong during it uh because you know it, we just thought it'd be funnier <laughs> that way and so while that was all occurring i had ideas for chills down your spine i was like well chills down your spine uh we'll build it from the ground up and you know i'm very interested in doing stuff that i've never seen before in, in horror and i'd never seen a horror anthology with two wraparound stories mm-hmm. and so i had all these various stories and plans but i was so burned out that i quit i was like i'm done i'm retired and our friend mark pope joy <laughs> sort of pulled me out of retirement he said matt if i set up everything if i'm the producer i locate all the funds i set all i find all the locations i do everything and all you need to do is make the movies will you do it and so like an idiot i said yeah sure why not (laughs) (laughs) and so in 2016 so 2015 all the scripts were sort of uh, being written and in 2016 we shot our first film which is blood model which is a mm. film I absolutely fucking hated, and I quit again. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole story. When when we get to that, well, we can talk about that it. one's okay. Um, and then eventually, you know, uh, it was fine. We'll do it, but we're gonna do it the Dead Lantern way, the rest of the way. And so in, 20, <laughs> in 2017, so we we filmed Blood Model in 2016. We filmed the intermission during COVID this year in 2020, like in wow. July, I think. So four years of filming, and then an extra year of, you know, pre pre production and development of the scripts and stuff like that. And so and now it's now it's here. It, it's yeah. it's done. That's uh five years of our life we'll never get back. <laughs> Very true. So usually by the end of a movie you're ready to retire. How are you feeling yep. at the end of this process? Well, uh we, <laughs> we we shot another feature film while we were shooting we were Chills shooting Down Your Spine. Uh, oh. Return of the Robo Mummy from Outer Space yeah. Part Seven. So, you know, right now I'm like, we're DJ and I are taking a nice long break. Might start doing some music stuff again. And then at some point I'm like, God damn it. I got to, we got to do another feature film. We got to get that done. So I'm actually very positive about chills down your spine. Um, One of the things is like, I generally hate everything that I do. I never think it's very good. And, um, and when this was done and I could tell you a funny story about Steve real quick. Mm. So, Yes, Way please. Before. A couple years, gosh, probably three years before um, we finished the movie, because I think we finished the movie in August of this year, August 1st or something. Um, I had shown Steve a rough cut of Road Trip, the wraparound story with him in it. Mm-hmm. Now, this had, this had no effects. This had no music. Just a rough cut of it. And I knew we had something good because Steve, who is the ultimate cynic, and he hates everything. And he's always the one that sort of backs me up. He's like, you yeah. don't yep. say. Not, not very good. Steve, Steve, I will never forget this. He sent me a message. He's like, oh, my God. I think people might actually like this. This is actually good. <laughs> and, 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 this was, and, and Steve was terrified because Steve has retired. And so because Steve's like, Steve's like, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm done with everything. And, and I was like, Steve, I think people are really going to like this movie. I mean, uh-huh. I don't think we fucked this up. Totally, <laughs> and and when he watched it again, the finished version, he you know he liked it, and and I knew if Steve liked it, we had something decent. So I'm actually very positive on it. I, I do think it's the best thing that we've done. Good. I'm so glad to hear that because you are very disparaging of everything you do. You always like it until it comes out, and then you're like, it's trash. Well, the the reason why is because I uh, 
all of my friends are in this, right? Mm -hmm. All of my friends are these actors and the crew. And I always feel like when I'm making a movie that I'm not going to put anybody in the best position possible to succeed. And then when it's all done, they're going to hate it. And I'm, I'm letting my friends down. All these people who have spent all this time and money and energy and man hours and woman hours and everything to, mm-hmm. to put the scene together. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what podcast I'm on. Um, so I always feel like I'm going to let them down. And so I'm always very hard on myself. And But this time I actually felt good about what we did. So, and again, it's I don't take credit for all of it. Uh, DJ had a huge part. Tony, <laughs> Tony Crumpton. Tony Crumpton, he was on the editing sessions with us when we were doing post production. All he the suffered mus- through thousands of hours of green screen yeah. editing. All the musicians, you know, Michael Fancy and Jared Roadhorst, and like everybody had a, a you know a piece to put together. And uh, luckily, we were just able to you know it all came together, and we're very happy with it. See, I think Matt, you 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 take this wrong. Um, when people ask me like, you work on movies, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you remember Blockbuster? And they're like, yeah, I remember Blockbuster. And I'm like, did you ever go in there and you're like looking around and you can't find a movie you want to watch, and then like you somehow get to that back section and you're looking at the bottom row and a cover just catches you. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and then you take it home. And you watch it with your wife or girlfriend and like And it sucks. You, you, and it, it's awful. I'm like, we're one tier above that. Thank you. <laughs> Done. And our covers look god awesome. So like, yeah, we're in that section, but we're the king of that section. Yeah, we're Fuck like you. the we're like the asylum of Nebraska filmmakers, is basically what you're saying. Yeah. And, and so like the, the the issue I always take home with you, Matt, is that you set your sights so high. I do. But we are we're we're shitty independent filmmakers. Like oh we <laughs> are shitty independent filmmakers. Matthew, Matthew, stop trying to make them good. We <laughs> <laughs> need to be above adequate and below superior, and then that way we're always like good enough for our genre, and like people will be yeah. like, I respect what you do, yeah. and that's where we're at. Yeah. People respect what we do, and like we're never gonna be rich because of it, but that's awesome because you know what? Like I'll be king of shit hill uh, you know and no, shit I think stinky, head of marketing. but like the flies are off to the left on that other guy who stinks more than i do so good great done that's beautiful okay you guys don't need Sweet. me to write the copy anymore like i think you've got all the cover quotes you need <laughs> yes and thank you rachel i haven't had a chance to to oh. tell you uh in person well you know virtual person yeah um but thank you so much for the copy it's ah. fantastic just like shivers the copy is great Love oh it. i'm so glad it's so fun like when you reach out i was like yeah hell yeah to do it it's so fun to like have my little tiny little piece that i get to contribute to the project is really fun and i feel honored that you always ask me I'm like well he doesn't think it sucks too bad because he asked me a second time all right <laughs> <That's good. laughs> That's good. awesome awesome so i guess my first question is is how did benito feel about being typecast <laughs> he loved it uh, he, he absolutely loved it uh, well it was funny because I, I actually there's uh, a Sam Peckinpah film called Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia yeah and I have written a script called Bring Me the the Head of Benito Garcia oh. and it stars <laughs> Benito Garcia however oh. he's, he, he, he gets angry because I'm like you have to audition for the role and he doesn't he doesn't think he should have to 
And I'm like, no. That's the most Matt thing that has yeah, ever Yeah, I'm like, happened. no. No, if you want this role, you're going to have to audition for it. Just like everybody oh else God. has to audition for it. And so he had never actually gotten a chance to work with us in an acting way. Right. Now, in the eyes of Isabel, he played a monster, but, you know, you couldn't see him or anything like that. Right. And, uh, and he was really wanting to do this. Like the, that second or third shot of the movie where you see his ass. I was going to uh, ask if having sho- toilet paper shoved up his ass crack is in his writer. Well, the, yeah, that was him. Uh, like, like he, like he said, he said on a previous podcast we were on, he's like he had to fight for that shot because I was like, I like I a man who has boundaries. Like, I don't want to see your, you know, back sack. I, I just don't want to see it. Uh, and he's like, no, no, man, it'll be great. It'll be great. Just shoot it. And you know, you know, I stuck it in the movie. So uh, there's my trauma moment right there. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, Benito was great. He was fantastic. He did a lot like the makeup on Megan. Of mm-hmm. course, uh, that was all him. He eliminated all of her tattoos. Uh, Anastasia August, who plays uh, June in Bed and Breakfast, she's mm-hmm. covered in tattoos. He eliminated wow. all of her tattoos. Uh, so Ben did a whole bunch of stuff throughout the course of the film, and you know he, he's a joy to work with. We love yeah. that guy. I like to give him shit because I do. I wouldn't. I joke because I like Benito, but also I was kind of like he's having way too much fun in this. Oh yeah, role. I mean that's his. That's his wife. He's licking with that jam. Right. On her. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He was having a great time. Awesome. Well, so the response has been pretty positive. All the reviews I've seen of this have been glowing. I wanted to know how that feels and how much that even really matters to you. Be honest. Well, since I'm just a shitty filmmaker, one step above, <laughs> you know, it doesn't really matter. No, uh, I'll be honest. It's uh, it was overwhelming at first. Like we, I felt honestly that we had done something pretty good. I was not expecting, you know, 10 out of 10 and one reviewer like broke their rating scale. They loved it so much. Wow. Yeah, I think I didn't really have a rating I, scale to begin with. Well, though, so. I, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't expecting sort of the overwhelming support thus far. You know, knock on wood, we could get a horrible review from the Stream Queens uh, coming up here and just crush them. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, no, it, I mean, it feels great. I, I'm, a, I'm a human being. I, I'd lie if I said, nah, it doesn't doesn't matter it feels good it feels good for the cast and the crew you know it it when you get a review it's not so much that i think it's like oh i did such an amazing job but it feels great sending like the facebook message to uh you know the cast and crew of that particular film like check this out look at this review because the cast and crew are the ones that are most proud of it they're the ones that are on screen they're the ones that their friends and families everybody's going to see it and they can show it to their friends and families without having to be like this is bottom of the cringeworthy cringeworthy garbage (laughs) but here you go so yeah it feels great that's awesome i'm so glad mars you want to tell them what you thought when you first uh, clicked on the link (laughs) oh so uh so i clicked the link and watched the first several minutes and i was sitting there going Oh well, I must have clicked the wrong link because I think I think I I think I opened a porn. <laughs> <laughs> and then my second thought was, well, I should stick it out and see what comes next. <laughs> of course, this, of course. This, I mean, there's still chances is the right movie, and it it was. Turns out, just you know, threw me for a second. Yeah. yeah. Now, what's interesting is, you know, pe- most people haven't seen Shivers down your spine. So a lot of the the jokes uh, and characters that are in Shivers Down Your Spine appear in Chills Down Your Spine. And so we're we're trying our best to, uh, you know, there's some paperwork that needs to transpire. But uh, Shivers Down Your Spine will be up on Amazon very soon. 
Hopefully Ooh, that's exciting. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah, all that online revenue rolling our way. Oh, we're going to be so rich. I am so excited for our 50 cents that we will earn a year. Thank you, Amazon. But you do it for the art, right? That's what this is really about. Your I mean, so artistic expression. No, so, like, that's not Matt's what it's actually about. excited. He's, he's excited that, like, we're getting good reviews. And, like, honestly, like, I'm happy that someone receives our movie and is like, yeah, this is good. Good job. But I don't really care either way. Like, my measuring stick for me is just to be like, I made a feature film. You know, if you go check me out on IMDb, you'll see, like, a, a dozen feature films that are credited to myself and Matt. And, mm -hmm. like, are they any good? Well, that's your problem. <laughs> my measuring <laughs> stick is like, I got a number, buddy, and it's it's big. It's bigger than yours. If you want to, you wanna like, lay things out on the table, oh like, my God. <laughs> that's it. You know, like, done. Yeah. And and, and here's the interesting thing. We're, we're going to get serious. We're going to get real now. Rachel. Yeah, let's get we're real. Gonna get real. <laughs> let's get real. Um, so where was I going? <laughs> I was about to say. Oh, shit, I lost it. Never mind. I'll come back to it. Oh, we'll God, get real a little bit later. <laughs> we'll get real a little bit later. No, no. What, what I was going to say is, um, like, I, I went to film school. And, and so I when I was younger, I was very into film criticism. Like, that is the goal of humanity <laughs> to no. critique a film, no. you know, and all of this, because this is what they teach you. It's like, you know, all these, uh, you know, the Jean-Luc Godard, the French new wave, you know, they, you, they got to make a movie this way. You know, you throw your fucking you Eisenstein rules. And, rules and all this stuff. And I remember, you know, because we did Dead Lantern and the Splattercast for many, many years. Yeah. And people would send us screeners and we would rip it to shreds. <laughs> like if it would suck, <laughs> we would just rip it to shreds. And then I as, as I got older, and this sort of goes into sort of my new mindset now of why n watching news is completely irrelevant uh, and that nobody should actually do it. <laughs> I'm leaning more towards the idea that people should just completely extricate themselves from news culture and society altogether. But part of it, part of this is no, no, no. We could argue. There's we could. Some, we could. We could debate this statement, but we don't we, need to go. <laughs> we we can debate this after the cast. Um, but what we'll I was. See, what I'll I, see you on Splattercast 2.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but part of that thing is is film criticism. Uh, I, I find it completely pointless. Like mm -hmm. it's it's in it, like I don't know why anybody should review movies at all. At Thanks all. for coming on no, my podcast. No, no, Goodbye. No, no <laughs> it's um, pointless. You're 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 off base there a little bit. No, because I'm not. like, guess what? Like, I paid my twenty bucks or nineteen ninety five or whatever to go watch Bill and Ted's um, Face the Music, and like, I wouldn't have paid the nineteen dollars if I hadn't first like glanced at Rotten Tomatoes. That's a lie. Like... That is a lie. You <laughs> lied, Bill and Ted. You would have paid your money, you liar. <laughs> Shenanigans. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, how about, how about uh, American Pickle? Yeah, like, yeah. American Backtrack Pickle. Backtrack here. If you really want to pay me to that box, fine. I will pick another movie that I also paid money for, and it's it's called American Pickle, and that movie, like, it, it, it's, it, it got like 82% on Rotten Tomato. And I was kind of skeptical because I'm like, you know, this is like a, a bad comedy. Am I going to like this? But like I went, I didn't read the reviews, but I saw 82%. I'm like, okay. You're already Obviously, biasing yourself. No, Rotten Tomatoes is an awful thing. That's a whole separate topic. Oh <laughs> whole separate topic. Like, whole okay, different so, podcast. What do you say? Uh, read, like, reviews read, are irrelevant. Read the, okay, like, here, DJ, read the synopsis of a movie. If the synopsis of the movie catches you, like get you, watch the movie. 
and make your own decision. Don't yeah, but, rely okay, so, on all these other assholes who how, you don't know how, to tell you whether something's good or not, and then base your judgment on that. How do you understand that like Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind is a good movie if you read the synopsis? Because it would be a confusing, like nightmarish mess. Point and, is, you don't know if it's going to be good until you. The watch same it. thing with um, <laughs> uh, Sandusky's New York. Like, I love that movie, but like, you mean Sandusky's New York? <laughs> yeah. Did you just say Sandusky's New York? Okay. Yeah, you know, like there's a city in a city. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, regardless, if I if you try to explain that to me or being John Malkovich, any of these like w- weirder movies, like uh, I if I read that synopsis, like I would have a, a hard time like being like, yeah, this sounds like a great movie. But I love the movies. It's just that they don't play well as like a copy. Like you you couldn't write something down that made it sound interesting False. because it's just so fucking weird False, think, but again we've think, hijacked the, uh, think, the podcast no it's fine and i'm gonna weigh in and then we'll move on but like <laughs> <laughs> i think if reviews only existed to serve one function which is to be an arbiter of whether something is good or not that your matt you would be correct that's not necessarily it can be helpful when you're making like, a consumerist decision but it's not really that valuable. But I think what criticism does is it creates an opportunity for you to engage with the art form in a deeper way so that your experience with the film is not just whatever the runtime is, but it allows you to like ponder it, think about it, talk about what worked, what didn't work, and engage with it on a deeper level. And I think that that has a value. That's so what I th- and scholarly I think- articles from film theorists are for. Okay, not so, you, so you have reviews. to be a scholar in order to have valid opinions or critiques no, on the film? No, yeah, I mean, I really like Scouter, like but the scholars didn't like to me. treat that well. But I, if, if I watch a movie, right, and yeah. something in the movie is like, oh, that interests me, I will then go out and learn more about it. That I mean, I that, like, there's um, plenty we, of stuff to... Oh, go ahead, DJ. Sorry. We might need to have uh, Mars weigh in on this because like, I feel like she's the neutral party here that will probably <laughs> really, like, set us right. Mars? Well, I've just been sitting here spiraling about the fact that Rachel and I have spent the last several years making a podcast where we critique movies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I did it for like 10 years on the Splattercast. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, so I'm just over here spiraling. You guys continue, though. This is great. <laughs> we went from feet to an existential crisis. This yes. is I'm feeling yeah, this great is, on this This is Friday. a rough Friday for Mars. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Drink more. Just keep drinking. It'll get better. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Are. I've been also doing that. Yeah. Spiraling and drinking. <laughs> what do you think? That is what this podcast is actually about. We, like, have the premise of we talk about movies, but mostly we drink and talk about anuses. So Jeff, Jeff is going to love this podcast. <laughs> I, I know I know. if Jeff were here, Jeff would have my back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> surprise, surprise. He would have a cynical take on something. Oh, <laughs> Why don't we just get Steve on here to be the, like, cheerleader while we're at it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay. anyway so mars you had some questions for the fellas yeah um i mean you kind of touched on it out already but i was a little bit curious on what the timeline for this film was and kind of what your process was uh was it like full full on stages like you did all your pre-production and then production and post or was it like things kind of happening all simultaneously because given that it's you know a bunch of a bunch of films basically in one film you know, I don't know. I was just wondering, you know, was it something that you're doing a little bit of everything all the time? Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Out of order, like, I basically get a call from Matt. He's like, you need to show up on this date. Like, okay, well, what are we doing? He's like, there's a script, but you're not going to read it, so I'm not going to send it to you anyway. Like, okay. <laughs> 
can one hundred percent picture this happening in real life, and I can this hear Matt's voice. Yeah. And so I, I, he's like, "I'm not bothering sending it to you. You're not gonna read it, so don't even pretend." Like, okay. So I show up, and like, he's like, "Guess what? We're filming here today." Like, okay, we're out in a like super hot Nebraska a summer with like sun beating down. It's freaking miserable. I'm like, what are we supposed to do? And he's like, well, we need these car shots. Figure it out. I'm like, okay, we need this shot. Figure it out. Like, see, uh, see, you started strong, and now you're now you're fading here. No, no, no. This, 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 and then like, I'm like, what are we doing tomorrow? He's like, well, we're leaving at like 7 a.m. to go to this other place. Like, okay. And like, he doesn't tell me like, no elaboration. Like, I don't get any extra information. He just is like, yeah, we're going to this place. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And so basically, every day for me is like a mystery. And an adventure because like <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, and like Matt's not gonna tell me or like even when I like uh, lead with some like questions that would deserve an answer, like he's like, oh, we'll be working tomorrow at like six a.m. Be ready, okay? <laughs> Bye. Like, all right, uh, okay. That's I mean, cool. I mean, that's kind of right, uh, but not entirely. Uh, so, so ba- basically, Dead Lantern. The way the filming the anthologies goes is it's it's always a, a process throughout the entire thing. So we don't just go okay first year is pre production. Scripts are always constantly changing. Um, we even to the day of and during. Yeah, filming. yeah. Because <laughs> and well, the thing is, like, I believe firmly that film is a collaborative process, and so. Oh yeah, it is. One, <laughs> one Elab- of the things. Pause. Elaborate, DJ. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of the things. Uh, well, other than DJ, you know. Uh, <laughs> But one of the things I find that's very important is that uh, the actors in particular have the, the leeway to, to change dialogue um, and use their creativity. Or just say whatever the fuck they want. Well, not that far, but you know what I mean. Just sort of. I mean, when I have change. like seven takes to work from and like none of them are even close to the same. Like, thank you. Now, here, thank here, you for that. Yeah. Here's a, the here's a thing. Like, DJ is presenting himself as the editor of all these movies. DJ is not the editor of all these movies. <laughs> D, what, this is what this is what D, DJ considers uh, visual and sound effects post production to be quote unquote editing, and so when DJ says, "Well, I'm the editor. I edited these movies," like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't edit any of these movies. What you did is in post production and be like, "Let's trim this shot by half a second." Sweet. I agree. Hey, Go I'm ahead and do it. That's too. that's that's and what that's DJ the I editor. I have to try and match words. <laughs> like these people like say this a uh, different thing like twenty times. And then you're like, hey, DJ, can you fix this, like, this little section where they're talking? Because, like, there was a car driving by at that time. And it's like, well, okay, let me just go find them saying the same thing. Oh, fuck. They didn't say the same thing once. In fact, like, they didn't say the same thing ever in any (laughs) shot. Like, every shot we have, medium, wide, close up, like, different words. Different yeah. words. They don't fit, Matt. Oh, yeah. can you take parts of those words and parts of these yeah, words? That's called that's called sound design. It's <laughs> that not called a, editing. That's called fucking editing, bro. That is editing. <laughs> Drop the mic. Done. You're right, Rachel. A dead lantern is gonna break up tonight. So and you you are the catalyst of it. So thank you. My work here is done. I can I can now ascend to the next ethereal plane. No, no, D, DJ does a ton of stuff uh in post production and uh but editing is not one of them. Anyway, go ahead. Honestly, like, uh, not to not to belittle Matt, but like he does bring he he brings a lot to the table. A little like, bit when he when he shows up, like he has sent me clips that um, I don't have, and like has like organized things together and like put weird LUTs on stuff and like colorized it, and like. <laughs> It, it, it's a thing that he does. Oh my god! And like, it represents probably like forty percent of the film. So I appreciate his work. 
I love you. I love you, DJ. I love you, Matt. All right, back to you, Matt. Yes. So did they answer your question, Mars, or did we hijack the podcast? I have absolutely no idea, but let's let's forge ahead. No, I think it did answer my question. It makes it, uh, you know, that much more impressive that you made a cohesive film based on I feel like the we, collage. Yeah, we have a much clearer picture of the odds, and uh, it's yeah. kind of, yeah. So uh, it, it makes it even better when you think about it. We don't it. even yeah. know what we're coming out of the, of the uh, gate with when we're done filming. Like, a good example is The Ditch. Like, Matt and I, we get done, oh and we, like, glance at a couple of clips, and we're like, did you see that there was hairs on the lens? Oh, remember when, remember when a bug? Okay. he's like, no, did you? I'm like, fuck. Yeah, he's because... like, can you remove those in post? I'm like, uh, maybe? No? There, there, was, a, there was a moment in The Ditch when a bug got inside the lens, like, on, on the yeah. sensor. And, and the thing was, we were shooting out in the broad daylight, in the bra- it was, like, 100 degrees you know, broad daylight out there, and we could not see the monitors. We were just—we didn't even know if we had the goddamn thing in focus. <laughs> we're just putting the tell. cameras and like he's like, "You got this, DJ?" I'm like, "I think so." He's like, "Good, hit oh record." Like, okay, yeah. I mean, it was—I mean, we could tell you stories from all of these movies, like okay. crazy shit that happened. But yeah, but it—and it's—it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I get the reputation of, you know, and justifiably so that I shoot a million takes of everything. Okay. So it, it's like, you know, I, it's not just one or two shots and boom, we're on to the next thing. It's like, okay, you've delivered my, my thing is like, I always say that was perfect. Let's do it again. That's kind of <laughs> like my trademark phrase. Okay. Um, but, but the reason why I feel like that works for us is because in the editing room, you know, when half the shots are out of focus, <laughs> where there's a bug on the lens, guess what? We have all, we have all this other stuff that, that I've shot that we can cobble stuff together with. So well, we're good. We're good. And to be fair, like when I work on projects by myself without Matt, like I only ever look at the last take because if I said like, all right, next take, like obviously that one was the one I liked. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made him do it. <laughs> or six more. You know, so like there's no point in wasting your time looking at the other stuff unless – I need some room sound, like <laughs> like the thing that we lose every time, Matt, where yes. I record room sound, and then oh, you're like, no. yeah, where's that take? He's like, oh, um, I, I didn't use that shot, so I don't know where it's at. Like, Disappeared, well, I yeah. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> I don't know where it's at. <laughs> because that's the thing. I, I, I refuse to do slate. So none of our none of our clips of all of the stuff we shoot have any sort of, like, clapboard, like, take one, nope. scene three, whatever. We don't use it. And, and so basically how I, I shoot the movie, my sort of slate is the thumbnail of the file itself. <laughs> oh my and so and so I can look, but but I can look at just the thumbnail of the file and know exactly which shot is which shot and piece it all together that way. That's which incredible is, if you're would, editing these like five years after you shot yeah, them. It's, it's just, I mean, it's just something that we do because we stopped doing slate on films with like the grand horror we, oh, we wow. did it for we did it for an hour and we're like this is wasting time fuck it <laughs> <laughs> who cares, who cares a hundred years of cinema they're wrong slate is stupid <laughs> this is uh this was partially my fault um basically like a sinking sound is extra work and if you have staff, that's fine. Like, if you have rushes every day where there's a dude, there's, like, some poor intern that has to, like, sync all the audio and, like, do that as the clips are filmed and, like, get everything together for you and then, like, hand it over to the actual primary editor. That's fine. We don't have that. It's literally just Matt and I. <laughs> and so... And we don't want to uh, do it. <laughs> yeah, and, like, that's too much work. So I was, like, listen, like a long time ago, I'm like, listen, Matt, all sound is going in the camera. And he's like, so we don't have to, like, hook stuff together anymore? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, that sounds good. 
I'm Sounds like, great. yes, it is good. It's not frustrating at all, and it's super easy. Like, I promise that I will get good sound into the camera, and you promise that you hit record, and we'll be going. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, and so we we actually, like, we intermix with a lot of other indie filmmakers on a regular basis, and, like, when they find out that we do in-camera sound, it's like a jaw-dropper. Really? They're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You don't even know how to make film. Like the black sheep. <laughs> Oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, how's that sound syncing going for you? Like, oh, I have a film that's been in the can for four years, but I just haven't finished it yet. It's like, yeah, you know why? Because you don't have a fucking lackey to sync your goddamn sound with your goddamn video, you fuck face. Fuck you. Oh, my wow. God. Who, who a- hurt you? Aggressive. Aggressive. <laughs> well, I'm not that mean to him, obviously. I'm, I'm very nice and polite. But um, Matt has seen me in many situations oh, yeah. where, like, some some cockhole like rolls up to me and is like listen let me tell you how film needs to be made and i'm like in camera sound only for indie films period done and they're like no you don't understand i'm like oh yeah explain a situation where it makes more sense and it's economically feasible for you and they're like quiet quiet i'm exactly now that's not what film school taught me i spent a hundred thousand dollars i'm sorry that you're trapped in your bubble that you learned from college like you're a piece of shit and you don't know what the fuck is going on with your life if you're trying to do this that's not true you're getting really aggressive (laughs) yeah well i mean here's the thing if it works it works it doesn't really matter what it is if you're making it work you're making it work i guess is the way i feel about it you know All right, I'm sorry, I'm done. No worries. Well, while we're talking I, about sound, you. can we talk about the score in this movie? Because it seems like it's like no. pretty okay. I'm oh, just kidding. Great. <laughs> Go ahead. This, this, this interview is going great. <laughs> I feel really comfortable speaking up. This is nice. Nice safe space on my own podcast. <laughs> For the record, I really don't have an opinion on the sound thing. That wasn't me being scared. I just honestly don't have an opinion on it. <laughs> Score? Yes, tell me, tell me about the score. <laughs> well, the original score, uh, so Jared Roadhorst, I think he did three of the films. Uh, John Friedel scored Bed and Breakfast, and then our friend Michael Fancy scored all the rest of them. Uh, Devil's Corkscrew, I think he did Hysteria, Calling Other Things Beyond, you know, all that stuff. And we have always had a problem with music in our films, primarily because why, DJ? You're picky as f. Yes. Uh, this goes. Like, all... I, I scored our first film, and like Matt's like that is the worst thing I've ever heard, but it's good enough. Fine. And you're like, oh, I just, I, thanks, buddy. I get you know, incredibly I'm... frustrated because, like, in my head, I I can hear the music, but I do not have the ability to speak musician. Like, I I don't know how to, you know, get the words out to describe what's in my head. And the Devil's Corkstreet is a perfect example of this that we can talk about. (laughs) Um, But, so, you know, it was, that was one of the big problems because Jared, who scored Shivers Down Your Spine, he could only do a couple of the films this time around. So Mm -hmm. we had no idea, like, what are we going to do for music? And I think, DJ, you were the one that brought up, like, why don't we ask Mike? And we've known Mike since high school. And Mike is like a musical genius. He's always been one. And we never, ever thought in 15 <laughs> years to ask our friend from high school to score any movies. I mean, it's, I've wrote countless songs with Mike, worked together yeah. and collaborated with Mike. And, like, uh, he's always been, like, my inspiration when I can't figure out something. I'm like, hey, Mike, let me tell you this. And he, like, lays it on and it's perfect. And, and we were just, like, <laughs> we were basically, like, date blind to him, like, 
oh, I didn't realize my wife was good at painting, even though she paints every day. <laughs> exactly. And so, so we asked Mike. Uh, I, I pitched him uh, the idea, and he doesn't really watch horror movies. Didn't really. He, he does not live in this genre that we created. He had no idea what we made, and we just handed him a bunch of films, and he scored the shit out of them. And now it's fantastic. To be fair, um, the reason I originally brought up Mike to begin with is because Mike and I had gotten into like some deep conversations about how he didn't feel like he was expanding himself creatively and that he wanted to like find some new outlets for his music. And I was like, duh, I'm so stupid. I am so stupid. Like yeah. we have this outlet for you that we could have given you many years ago, Mike. Yes. Like and I am a dick friend. I'm a bad person. <laughs> like, yeah. I have not treated you with the respect you deserve. Like, here's this thing. And, like, Mike's, like, you you saw the light in his eyes, Matt. Like, he brightened up. He was excited. Yeah. Like, he, he, like, was planning out each one. He He even, like, almost saved it like a dessert for himself. He's like, I got this one first. This one's not my favorite. I got this one second. This is good. But this other one, this is, like, the creme de la creme. When yeah. I get to this one, it's going to, like – touch all my nerves and i'm gonna be super excited about it so so for so a quick story about mike uh the devil's corkscrew so by this point i think devil's corkscrew was one of the last things that mike was scoring we asked him to score the intermission just because we filmed that last minute and he did that but the devil's corkscrew was the one that he was really wanting to to score (laughs) right and and so he's like he's like uh matt what, what do you want and i'm like i want it sort of dark and ominous and sort of aggressive and in, in all of this stuff he's like all right good i think like two days later he comes back and we get on sort of our post-production sort of session on sunday and here's the music and i hated it oh no i hated, I hated it i hated oh, no. everything Mike, about it and poor guy this is when it's like, hard to work with your friends yeah like, and i told i had to tell him i had to tell him this does not work and he, and he goes He's quiet for a but, second, and he like he's like silent, and he's like, "But this is what you asked for." Like this is exactly what. Yeah, he's like, "This is exactly what you asked for," and that's the thing. It was what I asked for, but I realized upon when you put the the music to the image, it didn't work at all. So what I thought was going to work didn't work, and that's one of the the big things about you know making movies is sometimes you have to be the asshole. And he <laughs> he he said he had spent twelve hours doing this whole score. And and I had to kind of be the asshole. I'm like, no, Mike, it doesn't work. I'm sorry. We need to go in a different direction. And the second time, the the second score he put to it worked perfect. But and, to be fair, like after you used your words with me and Mike at the same time, I was like, Mike, have you seen The Stand? He's like, yeah. I'm like, do stuff like that with like lots of twang. And like Matt's like, yeah, okay. And then like Mike came back and just – not even like what i described he fucking nailed it man nice. that guy like he, he we got slide guitars we got crazy stuff uh, harmonica yeah harmonica we got um what's that it's not a vuvuzela is it uh what's the like little castanets movie? castanets yes yeah. the castanets and then like he gave me those samples and i put them in all over the place whether i was supposed to or not yeah. i don't care but, <laughs> are the best. But, the, but the music the music is one of the things that i think really helps the film mm-hmm. because it, especially like the music and calling of the things beyond uh, mike yeah. did all that and, and and mike's music is so each film that he scored is so different from mm-hmm. the other ones uh, and I got to give huge props as well to Jared Roadhorst. Uh, he sort of came over and did the Mock Tuna themes and and scored like the Whirlpool of Night. I love mm-hmm. I love mm. the score for that. Uh, he did that. And John Friedel, who did Bed and Breakfast, 
uh, sort of knocked out of the park. And you can anybody who's interested in the in the film score, we have it on our YouTube channel. You can go listen to the entire score for oh, Chills cool. Down Your Spine. It's it's awesome. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie, honestly. Yeah, I just think it gives like a lot of polish. You know what I mean? You can have a yeah. beautiful movie, but if it sounds like shit, you're like, ooh. <laughs> so, so maybe yes, maybe what you. we should do, DJ, is just have Mike go back and score all of our old movies, and then Mimics. they'll actually be good. <laughs> so actually, like what I want to do, AB wise, is to like release the movie with the original audio and nothing else. And then, like, have someone watch it and then watch the version that has, like, music and audio effects and so on. And, like, that trash that they see the first time will make the other one so much more special. Well, I don't oh, do you so feel you, like purposefully sit at the low bar. Yeah, well, okay, so, like, a, a fun fact here, and Matt and I discuss this all the time, is that, like, all of my work and Mike's work and, and a lot of the, the audio work in general is basically, if you do a really good job at that, it's transparent. It's totally invisible. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like, even like there's stuff like, oh yeah, well, oh shit, there's a camera in that shot. DJ, we need yeah. to remove it. Oh, there's a house in that shot. We need to remove it. Like, oh, there's this thing that like, isn't supposed to be there because it doesn't make sense. And it's also there's a script, remove it. Like, okay, fine. You do all that. And like, if you do it correctly, you are invisible. Yeah. You, got, you yeah. guys have, you have no idea how many things are fixed by DJ in this movie. You have mm-hmm. no no clue, and it's it's all because it's like it, if you screw up one thing, someone's gonna notice. Oh, look at that! Look at that lapel mic on Megan's <laughs> vest, yeah, or, or something like that. But you know, ninety nine percent of everything we were able to sort of catch in post production, and, and it's my space. fault because like Matt, when we're we're on our weekend editing session, can you say like, that again? By the way. It's it's your fault. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's your fault because like uh, I or well, no, it's my fault. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's my fault because like Matt's like, can you fix this, DJ? And like, uh, unfortunately, I have an honest mind, and like, I'm immediately like, oh, uh, yeah, I think I can. And he's like, okay, good. just agreed to sold oh and he's like yeah all right let's work on that and you're like son of a bitch if i had just said no it's unfixable i wouldn't have like 14 hours of tedious garbage ahead of me <laughs> instead i would just be like nope sorry that just work oh, oh damn <laughs> and it happens every time like i don't even think about it he's just like hey dj well, the- could you do something with that and i'm like the yeah, call- I think I could. The calling of the things beyond is a perfect example of that. Because uh, we're sort of doing the post-production. We're like, DJ, can you make a plane just explode in this shot? Like, in post-production, like, can you just make, you know, a plane blow up? He's like, uh-huh. yeah, sure. And then we spend eight hours trying to make it happen. <laughs> and I'm literally sitting there because we're watching this over, like, Google Meet. And DJ's like lining it up i'm like no 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 move it up a little bit more no no move it down a little bit more like i'm directing him where to put the plane oh explosion my God. <laughs> okay. it's self-torture it's the level of detail we give people at dead lantern pictures and and that's the thing like so i wasn't actually joking when i'm like we could just be like okay and it's fine uh, a lot of the stuff that we actually pay attention to and work hard on 
is stuff that like takes you from sh- shitty indie to like okay indie but we don't have to do it like we're shitty indie like we should just oh embrace my- our callers and like be like this is what we are and instead we go the extra mile for no apparent reason with no value add for us oh at all <laughs> so that like someone can watch the film and be like that wasn't bad and it's like well yeah you should have seen it before, you shitbag. <laughs> you are just really assaulting people with language tonight. I'm sorry. I hope this isn't like a, a PG podcast. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> my, my mother listens to this. No, she doesn't. I won't let her. No, 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 no. There's way too much vagina talk on the show for your mother. No, 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 no. Let's not do it. Yeah, that. she's tried many times to get me to leak how to find this podcast. And I'm always like, no, no, lady. You don't know who you raised. <laughs> and let's keep it that way. <laughs> I want to be able to look you in the eyes again. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the actual shorts. Because, uh, I mean, let me say, <laughs> if you shell out whatever you guys are going to charge on Amazon, like, you are getting your value. Because this there are so many, um, which is great. I mean, it's just, it's a very dense anthology. Usually anthologies, you get, like, five or six. Oh, no, no. I don't know how many there are, but there are a lot, and it's great. Too many. <laughs> There's Too a, many. eleven total if you count the intermission as one. Amazing, awesome, and and like I think this is the first time someone has ever announced the the sequel, or I guess the third film in the series, halfway through the actual <laughs> film you're watching. <laughs> so I feel like you broke ground there. I just want to say that you are. Tr- you I, are I hope I hope Vanguard. we broke ground all over the place in this. So. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so let's start with the wraparound. I want to just start by saying I love the addition of Moktuna. I didn't know at first how I was going to feel about the Jitsi Blonde Genie, but uh, frankly. Megan's comedic timing is so good that I was like, oh, fuck it. I like it. I couldn't even be like a cynical feminist about it. I was into it. (laughs) Oh, Megan is amazing. And like, actually, there's some scenes when they're together where Megan pulls it off in both directions Uh so well that you are like, is this the same actress? Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing about like Megan was fantastic. I remember being on set with her because there were. You know, and you'll you'll hear all about this story in the uh, audio commentary if you get the Blu-ray. But uh, when Megan, the first day we showed up, and Megan was getting in makeup for Mock Tuna, uh, she was having a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Oh and, no! Yeah, because she just uh, like tattoos are very integral to her as a person, and sort oh. of seeing herself with none, she was just mentally was having a hard hard time oh, with it so interesting and uh and so we sort of had to have a conversation we're like no you can do this it's just a character it's just a character and then boom she she nailed it from that point forward but i remember telling her on set i'm like you're gonna be a star like people you are so good at this and the the idea of the character of Moktuna came because sabia is such a very sort of you know steve-esque type of character sort of just <laughs> very cynical very bitter but i wanted I wanted Moktuna or like her little sister to be the complete opposite. Uh-huh. Like, like Moktuna says, like you're, you're only the second person I've ever done this, you know, done the wish stuff with. And so I really wanted to make her sort of like this, you know, wide eyed, everything is great. Whereas Ooh. Sabia has seen the world. has <laughs> gone yeah. through this a yeah, million yeah, yeah. times and real, and she's worn down. And fucked by it with a double side dildo. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> dildo cam was DJ's idea, by the way. So dildo cam like was genius. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> like 
every once in a while, Matt lets one of my shots get into the film. Yeah. And yeah. like, I'm like, I stopped production. I'm like, we need this. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, I am putting an action camera on a dildo. Why? And he's like, he's like, this is stupid. What are you doing? I'm like, this is going to be the coolest thing you ever saw. And he's like, whatever. And then I like run it at Benito's face like three times. He's like, yeah, that's not even realistic. I'm like, who cares? This is amazing. Yeah, it's and good. like, he gave me permission to put it in the film and it was uh, No, no, no. I didn't give you permission to put it in the film. I put it in the film because I edited the thing together. <laughs> so, yeah. Continue to take credit, buddy. The second, uh, second line editor uh, for the win uh, again. But no, and, no. Uh, and Megan was great. And I, I remember telling Megan, I was like, there are going to be people watching this who will have no idea that you're playing these two separate roles. Until they get to the video end credits at the end, they're going to see play, and multiple reviewers had no idea. We just did a really? podcast. Yeah, we just did a podcast, uh, Benito, Megan, and I, a couple days ago, and the reviewer was just like, I had no idea. I thought <laughs> that we, I thought you two were actually just sisters, and you know, like the performance was so good. And Megan was fantastic. Mm. Yeah, and fantastic. I feel like her chemistry with Steve has really developed from the last one. Like, there is oh, some... Yeah. Truly, yeah. the... they got like a weird, like lifelong bond now. Yeah. I bet. I like like the, the moment when Steve like freaks out in the truck when he takes oh the water God. bottle from her. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, it's it's so it's it was just so funny, and it, you know, and that's getting back to what I said before. It's great to be able to show this what what your friends did, and because yeah. you know, on set, I'm always like, you guys are doing amazing, and they don't think they're doing amazing. Now, actors have no idea. The actors have to trust the filmmakers implicitly right. with everything, and I'm like, no, this is good. This is good, guys. You guys, you know, and then they saw it, and they're like, wow, this actually was pretty good. We we actually had that good comedic timing, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I literally laughed out loud. During, there was, there's a bit towards the end where Steve is choosing a weapon that genuinely oh, yeah. made me laugh. Like yes. it was, it was a mix of the performance, but also the editing was really just like it was just an excellent joke. It was like a well set up and executed joke, and it made me. Yeah. Laugh. So <laughs> kudos to them because both of their performances in that was really funny. Yeah. So you had, a, I think, Marge, you had a question about the wraparound. Oh yeah. Um, I just was uh wanted to bring up the parallels to the Odyssey and was just wondering like uh what your thought process was behind following that. But mostly, I just wanted to bring it up because I wanted you to talk about the skin lamp. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so um, I, prop. I I love uh, the ancient classics, and I when I was developing the wraparound for Chills Down Your Spine, I was like, you know what. Uh, I love the Odyssey. I love Homer's The Odyssey. Why the fuck not just make an adaptation of it? <laughs> it's the best I, we can. It fits so well. Yeah. I mean, and that sounded sarcastic. I'm sorry. That's just the tone my voice takes. But it really did fit in really well with the story. And I, you know, it yeah. was cool. And so, you know, I wanted to do an adaptation. Like, there was a whole sequence with, like, sirens that I wanted to put in. But mm. we had to cut stuff in the script. You know, obviously I can't do an actual full uh, you know, adaptation of it. But that that was the yeah. idea, though. You know, with Mark Pope. DJ could do that in post. Oh, yeah, DJ. It's fine. <laughs> Add a bunch more. Uh, but the skin lamp, is, you know, um, we have an amazing FX and prop artist. Her name is Heather Waite. And mm. Heather is incredible at props. And, you know, if you if anyone watched Shivers on the Spine, like she did the, the whispering board. And she's just great at that stuff. And, and I told her, I was like, you know, I want, I want like a human skull with like teeth and stuff in it. And I want like a skin lamp. And... 
she's like, well, what kind of direction do you want? I'm like, I don't know, just a lamp with skin. Like, you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, this is what I want. And then she she came out with this thing, and it was so gross and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's perfect. She had, like, pieces. She actually, yeah, you can't really see it very well in the film, but she actually had, like, real human hair, like, hanging yeah. off of it. Oh, and my stuff. God. It was so good. It was yeah, so, Yeah, and the so teeth good. in there are actually, like, her, she, she has several children, and it's their, like, their baby teeth. <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, some of the stuff's real, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So, oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, so legit teeth. So there's there's two two wraparounds. There's Road Trip, which is the Steve Moktuna mm-hmm. story, and then there's Come On Baby Light My Flame, which is the Sabia Killer story. And uh, to be completely honest, I had no idea if, if this was gonna work. Uh, two wraparounds <laughs> and piecing all this stuff together. So mm. we put we finished like all ten movies. Actually, eleven because we had the apartment. That was one that we were also going to stick in there. Right. Um, I was I was surprised when that one didn't show up, but I thought I saw a picture from it in the credits. And I was yes. like, it's not her favorite. It, it, there's there's a uh, there's one uh, one of the actors uh, was the first time he'd ever been in a movie, I think. And I wanted mm-hmm. to stick stick uh, him in the end video credits, oh, that's just sort nice. of as a thing for him. Plus, um, he's super fun. He was a great guy. Yeah, super great guy. And. Uh, and so we had all these done finally, all these short films. But then I was like okay, I guess I have to puzzle piece this thing together and I have no fucking clue if it's going to work. Like, I don't know if, how I'm going to go from road trip to a story to suddenly we're now we're with Sabia and the killer and then back and forth. I had no idea. I'm ho- I mean, Apparently it worked. <laughs> it did apparently work. It actually, worked. it did work pretty well. well Tony actually deserves uh, quite a bit of like secondary credit for this because like, Matt, even when we're on the editing floor, is like, I don't know. Well, yeah, because it was. What about this? Yeah. And like, Tony's like, he laid down the law. And he's like, this is, this works right here. And this works here. And like, I think that we should do this. And Matt's like, uh, because what Tony contributed to it is originally the film started with uh, the Steve Dalen sequence when Steve is getting the lamp. And Mm. it, and it was Tony's idea to chop. Because Sabia didn't come in until later, so oh. we had we introduced all of Moktuna. They're driving in the car. They tell the first story, and then when they come back from the story, we still have Steve and Megan. They go on their thing, and then eventually Sabia came in later. And mm-hmm. then Tony was like, "No, no, no, no! You have to continue Sabia's story first yeah, because people saw shivers." And so Tony was like, "Just take that Sabia sequence, stick it as like the prologue, then put the opening credits, and then boom, roll into introducing Moktuna." And it worked perfectly i was like oh yeah. yeah that's that's great so yeah that was tony's idea to sort of and then we made him life. official dead lantern member because of that oh congratulations crumpton <laughs> congratulations crumpton get get yeah. to work write well, some more scripts like, uh, human trafficking <laughs> slave labor uh, wow you went dark there friend <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know that i've ever seen a dime from dead lantern Productions. so like, no the only the only person that makes money from dead lantern movies is tj <laughs> TJ yeah. does oh. the TJ TJ charges for the Blu-ray packaging. He's the only one that's ever made any money. It, it's always super fun because like we all love TJ. Like oh, this yeah. is not a criticism on him. We've but, known like, him since high school. When we roll into TJ's court and we're like, "Hey, man, we need a cover." He's like, uh, "That's gonna be four hundred bucks or three hundred bucks." <laughs> and it's like, he's like, "That's a reasonable price considering what you guys are gonna make off this." And you like roll your eyes because you're like. <laughs> 
he's like i'm like you know matt and i have probably spent like i don't know 700 plus hours on this oh for and sure. we're gonna make like five dollars <laughs> like great <laughs> you're the only one who's gonna get paid like i don't know 50 at least minimum wage congratulations <laughs> i love tj tj's a great dude TJ's um, awesome, it's man. just like it's just man it's like it, you're 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 choosing your capitalist battles wrong when you're like <laughs> fighting the man because we're not the man we don't even we don't even know what the man looks like from our perspective yeah. like like literally tj's the man really <laughs> yeah demanding money for work tj is it, like, the man okay oh, all right yeah. you heard it here folks <laughs> yes love you tj sorry anyway. <laughs> like he's gonna listen to this <laughs> you can say whatever you want it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's talk about the devil's corkscrew which is the western horse short and i know because i know you matt how much you always wanted to make a western and so yeah. it was kind of exciting to see this show up and then it, it looks freaking great dude there is some wide shots in this where you are taking full advantage of being on the prairie going full john ford rachel yeah john ford. I, it took me back to the bane Searchers? of my existence <laughs> when you made me watch a month's worth of westerns <laughs> but it also it was all leading to this moment where i could appreciate your short after spending countless hours watching westerns but um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So it, like the thing is, is I kind of loved that it was a mix of a western, but also there's like a very tales from the crypt kind of vibe to it. Ultimately, um, I'm glad you say that. So I want to give huge props in this. I did not write the script to this. This was oh. our friend Lisa Cavanda. All right, uh, Lisa. she she wrote that, and she wrote Last Breath, which was in Shivers on Your Spine, the one mm. with the girl who kills herself. And so uh, I wanted Lisa to have a, a film in this one um and hopefully she'll have one in tingles as well and you know the direction i gave her was um way back probably in 1991 it was april of 1991 uh i was living in redlands california and old school californians probably remember a place called osco drug i don't know if any of you guys remember osco mm. drug uh, but osco okay. drug it's now cvs i think cvs oh, okay. bought them I know CBS. All right. and so um they used to have the spinning racks for comic books in there and mm -hmm. i went in there with my mom and i saw on this rack a comic book called the vault of horror and i was like mm. what the hell is this and i told my mom i picked it up i look i'm looking at it two dollars for this comic book my mom was like absolutely not are you crazy <laughs> two dollars for a comic book and i was like please 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 and she's like well are you promise you're gonna eat all your food tonight i was like yes i will and she was she was making some shit like meatloaf which i hate right <laughs> so i was like i'll eat it mom i'll eat it i promise and so um I, she gets me this comic book and i go home i i you know force myself to not gag and eat this meatloaf and i don't even leave the i, I remember the remember this distinctly i don't even leave the kitchen table because i had the comic book up there with me i finished and i just spent at least two hours reading this comic book front to back all the way through and i was so like enraptured with what i was seeing in here and there was a particular short film called wolf bait that was in this and this this was a gladstone reprint so it's like two of the ec comics plastered together i think haunt of fears where um uh wolf bait came from but wolf bait was this this story that always sort of struck my imagination uh it was about this group of russians 
and they're on this bobsled in the middle of a snowstorm, and they're being yeah. chased down by a pack of rabid wolves. And there's a group of these people on this bobsled, uh, or the sled, and they're trying as fast as they can to get to town before they're overtaken by this pack of wolves. And the six-page story has... Every single person in there is somebody you, you want to make it. Like there's there's a guy back from the war who needs to see his newlywed wife. He's, you know, he hasn't seen her in like two years. There's a guy who's like the medicine for my mom, you know, or, you know, I got to oh. get to her. She's going to die. You know, all of these various things. And throughout the, throughout the course of the story, they do all these little things to keep the wolves at bay, right? So they shoot them. Then they run out of bullets. They throw their last meat out. Uh, then they have nothing. And so the very end of this story, which always was burned in my mind, is it's the vault keeper. Um, and like at the very end, he, they have to, they're like, you, we have to throw somebody over. Because if we don't, we're going to be completely overtaken by this pack of wolves. No one's going to make it to town. Town's right there, but we got to throw someone <laughs> over. And they do this silhouette panel where they throw somebody over but you never find out who actually got thrown over. And no. it's just like, it's like the crypt keeper at the very end saying, who do you think uh, oh, was thrown man. over? Ooh. And so you, you <laughs> and I, I highly encourage any of your listeners, go check out this story. It's called Wolf Bait. Jack Davis to the yard. It's incredible. I'll send you a link, Rachel. I, I, I yeah, send me a online. link. And that always stuck with me. And so fast forward to Devil's Corkscrew. And I had told Lisa, I was like, Lisa, this, this story, I want something with forward movement and momentum. I'm like, I don't copy the story, but I want something where people are being chased down and they, they're trying to get somewhere and they're going to have to make horrible decisions in order to save themselves in the very end. And so Lisa sort of came up with this, this story. Uh, and then we came up with the idea of the wraparound story um, because the wraparound deals with a character that's in another Western that we hope to shoot someday. Oh, for Tingles. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, and that's sort of how that all came about. And, well, I mean, the stories that we could tell about that, the horse running away on set. What? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, what? Well, I mean, you try shooting with a horse. Like, that's a, a tricky business in general. And then you put her rider in, like, ghost makeup and, like, skeleton yeah. face. Oh. And, like, the horse the, the, has a heart attack and, like, goes the down horse, the road. Yeah, and... the horse was scared of Heather's makeup. Oh, and because, horse. yeah spooked spooked and then they got yeah, no, to chase it down the minute i saw that horse i was like "Ooh, brave move yeah. <laughs> yeah. so not to mention you're in like grass that's taller than our waist and oh it's nebraska God. so like that grass in, is infected with every kind of bug and Ooh. thing that eats you ever and then it's 100 plus degrees Lindsay almost like died 100 yeah. percent humidity we have a uh, an actress that has like medical conditions and she's like trying to keep up in this horrible weather Th those sunburns then... you saw on her were real Th that wasn't yeah, makeup uh, she oh god she she we we at one at a certain point in time uh we were like like i actually went to her and i'm like uh we're gonna quit this like you mm -hmm. get you say the word and i'm ending this production right now because i was genuinely concerned that she and we were we were far away from any of that i mean we couldn't just call and have an ambulance show up you oh, know God. within five minutes Th this was probably 30 40 minutes from the nearest help you know in terms of medical attention and so Plus some four-wheel driving oh. Oh, God. yeah now, but I was terrified, Rachel, because when DJ, DJ and I were the first ones on set, we weren't supposed to be, but we were. Because okay. <laughs> we always sit together. We get there, and I, I had not seen this location because we had, we were previously going to film it the year before. We got rained out. Oh, the shit. whole place got flooded. And so we show up, 
And DJ, what was my reaction when we started walking out into the field? Oh my God. He was like, um, have you ever seen like a, a young girl who's afraid of spiders who like gets one on her for the first <laughs> yes, time? Yes, I own like, a mirror. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was like, Matt, Matt was just like freaking out because this is tick grass. We're in Ooh. Nebraska. It is like waist high. Like, <laughs> this is like deer ticks gonna give you Lyme disease. Oh, She's gonna shit. fucking murder you. Uh, and Matt's like, I am if I find a single one of these on me, he's like, this is it's 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 101 degrees and super humid and matt is wearing a hoodie yeah is it like tightened around his his face like something <laughs> yeah I, I have my so, i have my socks up like multiple layers of socks up over my pants you know i've yeah. got oh i God. am covered head to fucking toe and because... i'm walking like shorts and a t-shirt through this and and like Jesus. i'm like well we're gonna have to have mark clean this grass out because this yeah. is ridiculous all that clean grass all that grass, grass is mowed he 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 went and weed whacked all the grass. What? <laughs> yeah. So if you look around, like we made the actors and actresses walk through that grass for like good shots. Yeah. But anywhere where we were hanging out or going to be there for a while, Matt or uh, Mark had to come in and like weed whack it so that Matt could stand there safely. No, but but here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Uh, Rachel, you know my my terrifying fear of ticks. Yeah. Like I would I would have had a panic attack. I oh, mean, yes. the, the film would have, I mean, DJ, you would have directed that film. I would have no, gone yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it almost happened a couple of times. It would have been real bad. Oh, my <laughs> God. Bad. Well, yeah. uh, so in, in all reality, like um, in, in the ditch, that was one where like, yeah. I'm like, we need these shots. And Matt's yeah. like, fuck that. I won't. I would not go into the ditch. I and said, I'm like, OK, I guess the- I'm directing this portion. <laughs> it's like, take and the I, camera. I, I don't know if I even got credit for that or not, but like the whole vine scene, I had to be like down and laying in. Oh this, my like, god! Tick, tick grass. Like I, I made, to... I made Heather because uh, we had to do pickup shots. The first shot where her hand comes up because that wasn't uh, that wasn't our actress. That was Heather, and I made her go down there and to get that shot. I'm like, I'm not going down there. <laughs> wow! And so what DJ did is DJ because uh, he's a tech genius. He handed me his cell phone. And he was able – I could watch what he was shooting through the wow. cell phone. So it was like I was I was holding a monitor. And then I would tell him, no, that wasn't good. Do it again. <laughs> Do it again. Oh Do it God. again. <laughs> so, like, yeah. That's, so that's a level of nitpicky that, like, I deal with when working with Matt. And, like, we've done this for years, so it's fine. Like, uh, we've, we've got our, our, our thing. But it, it is kind of interesting when you think about it. Like, I have the camera. I'm the one who's like actually in the shit doing the thing. And I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And like, I explain it. Actors do it. They get vines all over them. And then Matt looks at it. He's like, well, actually. <laughs> the, the director's got to gotta put his foot down. Like, that was bad. What, like, what you like, want oh, to do, you do that one more time. Can you do it a little more like this? And it's like, <laughs> fuck you, Matt. You're not down here in the weeds doing this shit. This is your, my director now, di- buddy. Directors don't have no, no. That's your see. You you have all these titles wrong. You that's that's cinematography. <laughs> you're the cinematographer for that shot. You're not the director. When the director is the person like, telling the you what to do. Here, it needs to be pulled <laughs> off like this, and we need to do this. It's like, okay, DJ. I'm, I understand. Oh man, I understand. Right, it, you're threatened. You're threatened it, by it, me. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. To, to be, there is no threat. And uh-huh. To be fair, yeah. like many people have asked me, like, why do you continue to work with Matt? <laughs> I tell them, I'm like, look, I'm like, look, right here is the answer. So, I like making films. 
I mean, I'm not necessarily like as keen on him like turning out good as Matt is, whatever. <laughs> but what I can say is that like me wanting to make films and work on films, like every person I've ever talked to besides Matt, where they're like, "Yeah, we should make a film." I'm like, "Okay, let's do it." And they're like, "Well, it's a lot of work, and you got to do this thing, and like we need to really think about this, and maybe we can like get a group together." It's like, no, let's fucking make a film. And like with Matt, like there's never been a time where I'm like. Hey, are you ready to make a film? And he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, what are we doing? He's like, this. Like, okay, great. Let's do it. Done. No, no, I, th- I thought I don't tell you what we're doing. You just said that no, earlier. No, you don't. You just say this. Like, you don't tell me. Like, you just, just say we're doing this just thing. Say, and, like, like, I do it. I, if, I, if I will say, if, if, if I have any talent whatsoever, it's organization and management. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I think, and I think our friend Mark Popejoy could attest to this because I'm the one that sets all the schedules. Yeah. I set everything up. I'm making sure people are there at the right time. You know, I'm the one that's sort of doing all of that aspect of Dead Lantern because yeah. literally, I mean, DJ wouldn't do it. Mark won't do it. Nobody's no, going to do that, that aspect. That's a lot of work. That's like that's like the the thankless bullshit you got to go through just to make the film happen. Well, in the first come place. on, audio is not thankless bullshit. No, um, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how this is going to be received, but the ditch was my favorite of the show. Oh my god! Oh my god! This is crazy. Taste. Okay, this is so crazy because I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Uh, for a minute, it wasn't going to be in the thing, and I was like, no. We almost cut it. I we know. almost cut oh, it in man. favor of the apartment. And that was the thing because it came. Okay, so uh, this is a little inside baseball. Uh, yeah. But when I had sent, we, we had sent all of the films out to the, the main crew that was working on everything, right? So the composers, producer, DJ, myself, I was like, I want you to watch all of the films and rank them from number one down to like 10. Right. And so, because what I wanted to do is I wanted to get a sense of which was the consensus good ones and uh, maybe not so good ones. And then that would sort of determine where I would place them throughout the entire anthology. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't want to front load the anthology or back load it. I was trying to sort of even everything out as much as possible. And so I, I think almost everybody uh, said the devil's Corkscrew was our favorite. That was like yeah. number mm-hmm. one. It was, those are my two favorite. You have my two favorite right at the front. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and then sort of, but the ditch and the apartment were dead last. Those were the mm-hmm. ones that were the very last. And the ditch, I swear to God, it came in last. The apartment was actually wild. before. And then we were just like, wow, this is because the thing about it is like, I look at the ditch and I see every freaking continuity error mm. everywhere in it. And it drives me <laughs> insane. Uh, and the ditch was a story by my friend, Peter O'Brien, because I had told him, uh, we need a horror film with no locations, no more than three people in broad daylight in Nebraska. Go. And he came up with this sort of story of the ditch. And mm-hmm. uh, then my fiance sort of sort of punched up some of the dialogue and we worked on that together. So if, on that hand, it's cool that I was able to allow her to be a part of the filmmaking process that we do mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, but yeah, the ditch, it's not that we think it was bad. We're just like, nah, this is the least interesting of all of them. And it turns yeah. out you're not the only one that said that's their favorite. Lots of people say it's their favorite. There's something like wonderfully simple about it. Like it feels like it's yeah. a segment from Creep Show. Um yeah, and the composition, yeah. like yeah, some I'm of the shot that. composition of this, like it looks like it comes directly out of a comic book. 
I don't know. There's like a life to it and like a vividness to the color palette that just. <laughs> All right. Oh, All I'm right. glad you like that, Rachel, because Mr. Sharton over here oh just God. gave me when nothing but Matt's... shit. He gave me nothing but shit for the Absolutely. color palette. So really? basically, the, the color of the ditch, the, you know, when we shot it, Nebraska is ugly. It is just browns no, everywhere. No, oh, it's no. terrible. We, it was green during the time we were shooting. No, it's this it's terrible. If I you see if you stuff. see the raw footage of it, it's hideous. It's <laughs> ugly to look at. And so when I went into the post production process, I decided I wanted to do like a hyper stylized color scheme yeah, I like to try it. to make it to try to make it feel like uh <laughs> like it's it's otherworldly almost. Uh-huh. And to give it a unique look uh, separate from all the other films. And this asshole over here just gave me <laughs> shit constantly, and I'm glad that my decision was justified. Uh, so nah, con- so continue, justified. continue so, to feel threatened, DJ. So continue. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we had, like, a light color adjustment on this, and, like, the skies popped, and, like, the greens popped. Fine, whatever. And, like, Matt comes back with this, like, psychotically overcolored thing where it's, like... <laughs> Every corner of the film had more that was wiggling around no. because he'd done so much bad color. What he means by every frame oh is one shot, Rachel. <laughs> one <laughs> shot. <laughs> and like my wife and I, like we sit down to watch it on our television. And we're like, "Fuck, that's gross. <laughs> that is so gross." Like, that is a misrepresentation of color, and the only people that are going to enjoy this have their TVs set to movie mode and high, <laughs> high, high, high panning and, like, motion blur, and, like, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh-huh. And, like, Matt's like, Sounds no, like you're good. a bunch of film and critics over there. I Meaningless film this. critics. <laughs> oh, my God. It was horrible. Like, this is the... Out of, like Matt, I obviously don't agree with probably eighty five percent of his color correction on anything. Okay, maybe ninety percent. Actually, I, I'm leaning towards a hundred now that I say it out loud. Uh, but regardless, like this one is one of the most egregious because it's like, fuck, dude. Weird, because like, everybody we, likes it. We would be denied <laughs> broadcasting rights because your color spectrum is so far out of calibration that no one would ever sign off on in, it. In my defense, like, in my defense, this was intentional. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted it to look hyper realistic. <laughs> that, that was the intent. Straight to DVD because we would have never made it on. Oh, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. I thought the color palette like yeah. really. Thank popped. you, Rachel. I don't Thank know. You. Maybe I don't know. And what you know what's funny? About, like. To be completely fair, like, out of everybody that's watched this, I am literally the only person that's like, fuck, dude, the colors. The colors are crazy. Everybody else is like, that looks nice. I, I remember like Tony, because Tony was like, are you just, because DJ's like, everybody's television must be off. And Tony was like, maybe it's just your television. Off. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe you should adjust the colors on your TV. I literally have the TV that has the thing that you hang down in front of it to color calibrate. Oh, I'm sorry, one percenter. I forgot. Okay. I forgot. <laughs> Well, us plebes enjoyed the bright, yes. shiny color. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is like, uh, remember David Lynch's rant about, like, watching movies on cell phones? Like, you guys are watching movies on TV cell phones. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Well, I'm glad you liked it, Rachel. Yeah, Thank I you. did. I really did. I think that this, I, and it's crazy that, that you got 
feedback. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, did I actually send in my ranking? Because I have this, like, right at the tippy top. I don't think you, no, you haven't. I'd be interested to, to I see. I still have it somewhere. I should send it over to you. Because one of the cool things, and I'll ask Mars about this since she watched it. Um, one of the cool things about putting out horror anthologies, especially Shivers and Chills, I intentionally want all of the shorts to be very different from one another in terms of like tone and atmosphere. So mm-hmm. in this, you've got some comedies, sometimes, you know, you've got more serious stuff. You've got, you know, a random assortment. But when you put it out to reviewers, it's like, I like seeing everybody's wildly divergent opinions on which one they like the best. So for example, we, you know, we love the Devil's Corkscrew. There have been reviewers like we hate it. We hate that one. <laughs> we absolutely hate that one. We love the ditch, really? you know, which was okay. our which was our least favorite. But then there are people who love hysteria, which apparently you hate hysteria. But there's people that love that one. There's people that love the calling of the things beyond. And it's just so cool to be able to see, you know, what people gravitate to and what mm-hmm. they don't. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I was trying to kind of like find a through line and I knew that like some of these were just sort of disparate projects that you're trying to just bring together and the idea is they're different stories being told by genies, you know, like very Arabian <laughs> nights. But I think what maybe the unintentional through line is, is that they do all feel like they could fit from an EC comics kind of thing. Like you could see each of these stories yep. taking place in that. And I think that is maybe your true north with all of this. Yeah. And I'm, again, I was heavily inspired by EC Comics of the 50s. Uh, hugely inspired by that. So I can see that. That's actually a compliment if someone says, oh, hey, yeah. yeah, it's very EC Comics. I saw the same thing in The Devil's Corkshoe. There's a scene where she, the sex worker, she Sarah. Is, Sarah. Lindsay Washburn. Yeah. So she's like kneeling in a field with like a gun pulled on her. And it's like this beautiful wide shot. And I could totally see that in the full panel in a comic book. And I was just like, I see yep. that. I see what's going on here. Well, nice. right. well actually, I'm glad somebody was... sees me. <laughs> you feel so seen. <laughs> well, that one was fun. Um, Matt actually, like, uh, during the Devil's Courtroom, Matt let me get a little bit wacky with. Do you my see how he's collection. taking credit for everything? I everything am, you say, I you like. Right? He's like, by the way, so the night shots with them by the fire and like a lot of the field shots, I was like. Let's go wide. And like, <laughs> what? I wanted. Yeah. What? Yeah. You never said, let's go wide. Uh, never. <laughs> Lies. Lies. <laughs> now, now, okay, now, now, what I will say is we had a uh, an intern on set. Her name was Marissa. And she was an amazing trooper. She stayed all the way to the end. Like, we finished at 3 o'clock like in the morning. 4 in the morning, We, we yeah, thought we were going to be eaten by a pack of coyotes. We were, at, oh we were just out in the middle of no. Oh, yeah, we could just hear them. Like They were howling. Like, That's they were production close. Than a mile value right us, there. Like, they were super close. Well, if you listen in the shoot, you can actually hear them like, I assume that was post-production, but that was yeah. like, oh, look at no, you. No, those are legit. They're oh, yeah. like, we're like, fuck, I hope they don't come this way. But but so <laughs> so she, w- it was just, it was DJ, myself, the actors, our producer, Mark, and Marissa. And she had never been on a film set before. And she had stayed from like, I don't know, eight in the morning to like four in the morning. Wow. And one of the things that Marissa was interested in was like setting up a shot. And so uh, we were setting up, DJ was getting, you know, Oh, I guess the lighting, which is the fire. <laughs> that was that was what it was lit with. And, and um, crazy-ass low-light cameras. Come on. Yes, Come on. yes. Um, <laughs> but I told Marissa, I was like, you set up the first shot. You set up. This is going to be the opening shot of the movie. 
it's yours. And then DJ and she, leaned over and said, go why? Yeah. <laughs> DJ, <laughs> DJ, you, DJ Wormtongue, go right. That's exactly how it went No, down. but the very, the very first shot of the movie is Marissa. She's like, because she was kind of like, what? Uh, she's like, what do I do? I'm like, doesn't matter. Just set up the camera, frame it how you think it should be framed, and that'll be the first shot of the movie. So the first shot of Devil's Corkscrew is actually credited to Marissa. So, All right, get it, yeah. Marissa. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Look at you, and a important. mentor, Matthew. And then I told her, go wide, baby. Go wide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, no. So, like, the times that, like, Matt is not been on set, like, I'm just like, that's good. Done. Go to the next one. Done. Good. Go to the next one. And Matt's like, let's do this, and then let's do this, and then let's do this. Yeah, I am a very, like, our, our stuff runs long. Uh, because I, I do a lot of shots. And to be fair, like, Matt has been on set while I'm actually directing when it's, like, special effects. It's ridiculous. Or, or like. And, like, uh, he's like, he's like, all right, DJ, this is yours. I'm like, you go there now. Oh, he, he's, he's mean to the actors. Now. He's mean. And, like, you know, you did that wrong. You need to do it this way. And, like, Matt's like, hey, um, that was great, but could you do it like a little bit more? Like, uh... and I'm like, quit being touchy feely with these people. <laughs> <laughs> what the fucking do? You're the director. You direct their asses. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he's a tyrant. He's a tyrant on set. I get I can catch more with honey than vinegar. Okay. So, you know. so I mean, like, honestly, you probably don't want me directing anyway. I, I don't. I really don't. So. So, okay, let's move on to Bed and Breakfast, which, uh, right. speaking of things that are really good looking, the lighting in this, now, DJ, this might be a you thing, but the lighting no, is not. It's not. It's not. Oh, this is all Timian. <laughs> okay, next you're going to tell me all the Dutch angles are you, DJ. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, actually, a lot of the Dutch angles in this are, like, Matt was like, I want Dutch angles, and I like, I just followed along, and he's like, oh, yeah, Dutch angle, Dutch huh, angle DJ? is like classic <laughs> Keister. Like, that's how a I know a Keister a this, film. This, this is all, I mean, everything DJ's saying, there's like 1% of truth in it. Uh, <laughs> you know, we both run cameras, friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, what's your question about bed and breakfast? Hit me. <laughs> I mean, I was just, okay, what inspired you to make a nudie cutie? Let's go with that. Okay, so probably in 2012, I had seen a short film by a man named Harrison Marks. It was called Nightmare at Elm Manor. And you can find this on YouTube. It stars a glamour pinup, sort of like a Betty Page-esque uh, actress named June Palmer. And I had watched this short film, and I was like, God, I could do this, but way better. Like, I could I could bring something new and unique to the story. Because I thought the story was kind of cool. It's it's just, you know, a girl showing up and then basically being stalked by a ghoul. And then the Harrison Marks thing, she wakes up and turns out everything was fake, you know, and she goes and lives a happy life. Uh, nobody ends in a happy way in Dead Lantern movies. So I was like, yeah. I, I want to do I want to do this, but I want to make it, like, in a, in a style of Mario Bava, because I love films like Kill Baby Kill, Mm-hmm. Um, Black Sabbath, all of with the, with the colors, um, and make it sort of like you know, even into the giallo, you can talk about you know, I, I don't like Dario Argento, but like Suspiria type stuff for people who are not familiar with uh, the filmmaker he stole everything from. Um, okay. So, but I, but so I wanted to do this really sort of like gothic sort of homage to classic nudie cuties because you don't really see that anymore and i Mm. I wanted to make it so it was like as non-sexual as possible right where it was just kind of like 
the 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 nudity's there, but my goal was people just sort of forget about it at a certain point because it's so highly stylized um, that it's you know you're sort of the goal was that, like you're so enraptured with the visual stunning nature of everything the 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 mansion we filmed mm-hmm. at the you know the uh, the candelabras and the movements of the the stuff that that's what the film ultimately became about and so. That was the inspiration uh, to make a better version of a Harrison Mark short film starring June Palmer. The characters, of course, their names come from that film as well. That was sort of the homage to it. But highly stylized film yeah. is what I was going for with this one. Well, I mean, I like that it sort of blends the aesthetic of the 1960s and 70s, I guess 60s, 70s is nudie cooties, right? But with sort of this new wave 80s vibe of the blue and pink contrasting lights and maybe that's baba and i just don't know um and i'm showing my ignorance as like a film critic (laughs) don't worry it's irrelevant criticism is relevant oh my god well anyway so (laughs) felt to me like a very fresh take on a blending of vintage and modern in a way and that's what i really pretty ultimately what i was going for and i was actually i was most concerned of you watching this because i was like if there's one thing i was I, I thought, like, I, I wasn't thinking hysteria would be the problematic one, but I was like, mm. there's going to be something in this that Rachel's going to find is problematic, and I thought this might be the one. Uh, but uh, I, was, I, was, I was wrong. My so. wife really did not like this one. She, when she watched it, she's like, this is stupid. You just have a girl with no shirt on, like, wandering around. Like, where's the penises? I was like, well, we got to wait till I, the end. There's a penis in there. I'm Hang like, well, there. we have a, a penis short. And she's like, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm so, not weirded out by nudity, and I also felt like you were going for a very particular like homage of something, and it felt appropriate yeah. for that. There's well, some let, dialogue about... in the middle that's a little, but well, for the most let's, part, <laughs> let's let's talk about the nudity angle for a second, and let me explain because uh, with shivers down your spine, I thought one of the one of the interesting critiques of shivers down your spine and this is another reason why i think criticism now is, is ridiculous uh, here is we go pe- here's the here's no, no, no. the source of the spot of <laughs> no the no here, i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you why because we got so many reviews for shivers down your spine and everyone was like this is wall-to-wall boobs there's just nudity everywhere in this movie and i'm like what what the fuck what movie were you fucking watching because in shivers down your spine the joke is that Steve wishes for Megan to put her clothes back on right at the very beginning. So for right. the entire wraparound story of Shivers Down Your Spine, Megan's only topless right when she appears out of the smoke at the beginning and then right at the very end as a one last joke because Steve's like, please show me your boobs before you go as a joke. But she's not naked through that. And there's only one story in Shivers Down Your Spine that has any nudity at all and that's the one that involves the genie. But all these reviewers kept saying, man, there's just boobs everywhere. There's just wall-to-wall nudity. I'm like, that, there isn't. <laughs> there isn't at all. <laughs> and so with, with this film, with, what's crazy is some of the reviews aren't even talking about the nudity. Um, they'll, they'll say, oh, yeah, there, there's, there's uh, you know, nudity in this, but it's not at the level that people who watch Shivers did. And that was intentional because what I wanted to do with this is I wanted to make the nudity so standard that it wasn't even a thing so all of the nudity in this is specifically driven by the characters like for example Moktuna character she's naked through the entire thing but at no point is there a character that is ever sort of like commenting on ooh you're naked or sort of you know doing the the 
There's not. There's a sequence. <laughs> there's a sequence with Mark <laughs> when Mark's funny. looking at her. But what scene are you talking about? I'm talking about when she's in the car with the people who are um, going to eat their baby. Oh well, yeah. That's be- oh, you're talking about the the Eric sequence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'm, not, I'm fine, I, but I, I let's let's not act like there isn't any of it in the movie. I will say your camera angles are not leering, and I think that's part of it. It was intentionally, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you filmed through the male gaze because you and DJ both have boy eyeballs, but it doesn't oh feel. God. I see. I knew Laura Mulvey was going to come into this. Somewhere. I knew <laughs> I we were well, getting you know. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, one of the things that I always watch for are the like, are we going to watch her ass ascend a staircase? And I don't feel like we ever got that shot. I think you want me to be triggered by her nudity, but it it all is very conditional on the way that she is either subject like subjective or objective and i never felt like yeah. she was particularly objective well that's so, good most of the because shots, that means like that means actually, i like, argued about what, what was i was trying to shot like a lot of the shots were like like the beer shots and stuff like we, we're like oh uh what if somebody like speaks up i think it was timian for that one he's like what if we shoot in the mirror and like what if we hang on to this and like let's follow her down the stairs but like we're not trying to be like, oh, yeah, naked lady. We're just trying to, like, follow this cool candlelit thing right. all over the place. And it yeah. feels – so it feels gothic as opposed to exploitation, even though I know it's from – it's like a, a riff on something that came from exploitation film. Well, and I joke about, like, oh, yeah, these are all my ideas for everything. But, like, Do this one joke? particular – Do no, you No, I they're all my ideas. Um, and so with this one, though, like, this was probably one of the most collaborative because, like – we're all there like puzzling over what to do and like the hallway scene with the the following like we all argued about that and like came up with a thing and like put them on a platform and moved them through like there's hitchcock zooms in there that were like matt and i both like huddled together hugging each other to try and move the lens at the same time there are very sweet i had no idea i had never i had never even met this actress so she walked in the front door (laughs) (laughs) yeah she shows up and like the like probably 10 scenes in she's like we're between uh shots and she's doing boob puppets where like one boob is talking to the other boob <laughs> i cannot wait to see yeah. this blu-ray <laughs> and we're, oh. we're like we were all confused like we're not confused but we're like she started uh and An- anastasia is great this she's is amazing any- she's amazing but she like had car trouble and like things were going sideways and we're like oh no oh no did we get a prima donna well, and then it, it, when she shows up she's like Hey, boob, how are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. The left side's kind of weak today. Feeling a little light. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is the thing. Like, I, I went into filming this terrified because this was the short film that sort of the most amount of resources went into. Uh-huh. Our friend Mark Popejoy, I mean, we shot this in Missouri at an oh. actual mansion. He rented out mm-hmm. the entire mansion, Whoa! all rooms in it and everything. And again, yeah. we were working with, like, Anastasia. I'd never even met her. But we were there. We were, and then she, her, you know, car broke down on the way, and we're like, "Oh my God, what is going on?" And you know, when Mark puts this much, mm-hmm. uh, this this much uh, Monet <laughs> into <laughs> into a film, and it's like I, I've never worked with this person before. We don't really know, and you know, but luckily, I think we were able to to nail it because it's one of my favorites in the mm-hmm. entire thing. It's just visually, also, I think, I think it has the best monster. Yeah. 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 British say, guy. That's what I might, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the the makeup. Effects. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's all Benito. Benito did the effects. And the axe on this to one. the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> shot a year later. 
because I, because I had to painstakingly remove Husky from the axe. Yeah, from that. Yeah, because it said Husky, the axe. Did. That that wasn't around in 1953. Um, but the thing is, I I edited this thing, and I I was like, wait a minute, it can't just end with him swinging and then we fade to black. We we have to have a big pop moment, right? That sort of thing where someone sees, holy shit, ah. And so we actually had Benito, because uh, he, he had always wanted to do the homage to Friday the 13th, oh, the axe in the face. Yeah. He had never gotten to do it, and he actually did this effect for free, because he had never gotten a chance to do something <laughs> like this. And so we took a, we took advantage of that, because normally he charges $8,000 <laughs> per gag. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, that was shot during Hysteria. So that was upstairs in Tony's bedroom on his bed. We just shot it in close, and Benito put the axe on her face while we were shooting Hysteria and threw in that final pop moment at the very end. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it looks dope. That axe in the face was dope. Yeah. Cool. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so Isabel, animated. Wow, yeah. dude. Tell me about how this happened. Well, I, I painstakingly <laughs> animated this all by hand. Uh, I'm just kidding. I did not. Uh, so All right, DJ. <laughs> I was trying to Christ, channel man. my inner DJ here. Um, so Mark Leitzel, who is an old Splattercast listener, he had done some production art for Isabel way back in the day. I want to say like 2012. And while I was sort of putting together uh, Chills Down Your Spine, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we had an animated movie? Like, that would really level up the production value of this thing, right? So I reached out to him. I said, hey, I hate Isabel. Everything I did in it sucked. Uh, but I have this really cool sequence in the film that I'd love to see done properly. Will you take a chunk of the Isabel movie and animate it? And he said yes. And we got the movie. We really had no input as he was making this at all. He didn't really reach out. He just did that all on his own. Uh, based on the script that we put together, and uh, yeah, it was actually awesome. super fun doing the commentary because, like, Matt and I and Tony had all watched this and were like, "Why did you do this? Why did you do this?" And like, "What is this book?" Because there's live action like, in it too. Yeah, yeah and like, um, me personally, I was like, "You really channel it," and I don't know if you you guys know of Salad Fingers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, you're really channeling some salad fingers yeah, here. And he's that. like, that is the most gracious compliment anybody could ever give me. I love that guy. And he, like, he's amazing. And, like, he I didn't my art actually say that, but he said ahead. it basically <laughs> the same way as I'm oh saying God. it. Get out of here. Okay. I, yeah. That's how the conversation went down. Uh -huh. Listen to the commentary. You can totally hear it. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> like, it, it was fun because, like, with us asking questions, like, He's like, he actually had uh, somewhat reasonable justifications for, like, all these weird things that, like, none of us would have ever thought to do. And he's like, this is why I did it. Yeah. And when you hear that from another um, filmmaker, it, it, it's it's sort of interesting, enjoyable, and also, like, a, a refreshing take because we're all sort of steeped in our own style and our own feelings about how things should be. Mm -hmm. And then someone else like presents you with something that's completely different, and you're like, I don't know if I do that. And then well, he's like, yeah. This is why. And you're like, Oh, that's that. I never thought of it. That like was that. the biggest hurdle for me because I am very DJ can say I am very nitpicky. <laughs> I am very hands on when it comes to what the final thing looks like. And 
what shots go where, how it's edited together. And I had no say in this whatsoever. And I was terrified because I was like, what happens if he sends this thing, he does all this work, and I'm like, I fucking hate it, and I don't want to put it in in the anthology. Like, what if that happens? And so this was a very interesting learning experience for me for, you know, and obviously I I look at the finished product. I'm like, well, you know, if I had done input, I probably would have done things differently, but I had to sort of trust, right? I had to do the thing that all the actors and the crew members put, you know, on me. They had to trust me and DJ to be able to put something together worth their time. I had to do the same thing with him. And uh, I think it turned out really cool. And it was just a really interesting way to sort of work it's like mm-hmm. okay do this part of my script and i i don't have any i, I didn't see dailies i didn't see anything oh uh, so i had no i had no idea. this took like two years to get done and i never well, saw even it. even him working on it he's like yeah and so i had a bad thing happen with one of the actresses and we just had to like redo everything that she was in yeah. i had to farm some of these shots out to other animators because like Whoa. i just didn't have enough time with my regular work to do it yeah. and like by the time you're done like the, this short animation had I, I think three or four other animators working on it simultaneously to like get everything back to him to get it the way he wanted yep. to hit a deadline yeah. <laughs> so I was like we're almost <laughs> done with the movie we have to have this thing and uh, and he got it and yeah it's it's really cool it adds so much to the, to the overall film it's just cool to sort of break up um, your typical sort of lensed cinema it's like oh yeah we're gonna have an animated thing in here and it's cool to be able to say like hey one of my characters that I created is in an animated film. Yeah, cool that is that? cool. And it's, it is very flashy. Like, when you get to it, you're just like, oh, okay. All right. I see, yeah. I see you. I, there's one shot <laughs> towards the end where you're blending the live action and the animation where you can see Isabel's mouth through the mask. Yeah. It, it is Well, there, that was actually a fun point. Like, when we were talking to him, um, I, I don't know. I, I will try not to take credit for you, Matt, because like I don't know if I said this or you said it, but I'm like I really love the mouth and the mask. Or you said I really love the mouth. And that's the mask, that's and... all you. That's all you. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember, and like I've already gotten burned a couple times by being like, no, this was my idea. I mean, a broken like, clock's right it twice a day. <laughs> um. So, so like I said, I said this. I'm like, and that would be great through the whole thing. And he's like. I wish I would have done that. Actually, that would have been amazing to like just have mouths in the mask the whole time. I'm like, it's so beautiful when you did it. And like, I just wanted more of it. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's such a great exclamation point. You you said you had to get the axe in the face and bed and breakfast. So you were going along and you have a very particular idea of what this looks like. And so it kind of hits you at the end. You're like, ah. Yeah. If it would have been through the entire film, I can tell you now I would have hated it. (laughs) <laughs> I would have hated <laughs> Mars, you had a question about something related to the Oh, yeah. I just uh, wanted to know more about that opening, uh, the still animated image when you're going, when, you know, the one that's kind of the compilation of all the characters that's kind of panning around. I mean, originally I was going to ask what your level of input was with Isabel, and then, you know, when you were like, None. None. So I'm wondering about the, the first one. So first are you talking about like the? Are you talking about like the opening credit sequence? Yeah. Okay, so that's also a piece of art by Mark Leitzel, and I had no input on that. DJ did that, so DJ can speak to what you did with the opening credits there. Yeah. I, what do you want to know? I guess. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so dismissive. Right, yeah, so much Sorry. DJ. You're so funny. <laughs> Too much DJ. I apologize. No. Um, so basically like uh, where it was just like Matt presented me with this giant picture and he's like, Hey, 
can we make it move around some stuff and like zoom in and zoom out and whatever? So and actually, like, it was my idea. Thank you. Yeah, I guess yeah, it was my idea. Was like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so I did some preliminary stuff and like showed it to him. And he's like, that's good. He's like, but can you make it better? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. That's called that's and, called directing. That's called directing. And so like, start working really hard. And I'm like, okay, I think I should zoom in here and I should zoom out here and I should zoom in here. And so I do a bunch of that. And like, I'm like, what about this? He's like, well, that's pretty good. I like this part, but this part kind of sucks. And he's like, you went too fast here, and you were a little too slow here. And the problem is, is, like, the way you have to transition these things is, like, you have to plan and build out each bit, and it's a bunch of motion points that Mm -hmm. have to be properly calibrated and, like, bizarre and stuff to, like, move from Mm -hmm. one to the other. And, and, And it's not an easy process to correct or recreate when it's not the way you want it and so basically all through this process i'm flying blind and i'm doing it i'm hitting play and matt's either like yaying or naying these what exactly what a director does i'm just saying so but not with like a lot of information Uh, just with like well, just vague. Uh, you know, you should go over here first. No, okay. Like, it got to the point where, like, Tony actually, like, and thank, thank God Tony was there. Tony, like, oh, is like, here we here's go. a line art. <laughs> like, Tony sends me a line art where it's like, move here, and then why don't you move over here, and then you move over here, and then you move over here, and then you move over here. So and what like, I'm hearing Matt is Tony it. is the director of this movie. Oh! <laughs> oh and, and Matt looks at it and he's like, yeah, that's basically what I want. And it's like, well, why the fuck didn't you tell me that? I did. Like, you just I've didn't been understand. working on this and like, you've just been like, yeah, no, maybe. Well, uh, can you hold longer there? Can you go up to his eyes? If, like, if, if Tony were here, he would back up my version of the story. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Still love you, DJ. Uh, <laughs> I, I love you too, Matt. And, and actually, like, again, the, all of this stuff is collaborative. Like, we all have to work together. Like, it's hours and hours of us both sitting uh, monotonously arguing with each other. And, like, I argue. Like, you, you've talked to me. You've heard me now. Like, I'm like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm not doing it. And Matt's like, you got to do it this way. And, like, Tony's like, come on, DJ. And I'm like, okay, fine. We're going to do it that way, I guess. But Here, this here's is not the thing. the thing I love. Here, here's the thing. Right. So D- DJ is DJ has really great ideas sometimes. Okay. <laughs> but but DJ has a lot of bad ideas a lot of times. <laughs> and so what I have to do as part of my directorial duties is I gotta rein him in sometimes. So when DJ sometimes. does when DJ does something really good. I love to emphasize that because it's fantastic. There's tons of shots throughout because, again, we run two cameras. I run a camera. DJ runs a camera. It's not like I never use a shot that DJ sets up in frames. It just happens to be 90% of them are framed incorrectly. <laughs> and so I don't use them. Oh but like, like the dildo cam, I give him full props for that. That was his idea. That wasn't mine. But sometimes, DJ, and I think you would, you would agree to this, you can go off the rails. And if I don't keep you from going off the rails – the film is going to suffer. <laughs> so. No, no, no. See, uh, so my, from my perspective, like we would have a much more interesting and chaotic film that was even more enjoyable if no. more of my shots. Chaotic is not a word you want to use when describing <laughs> what a good film is. <laughs> 
Next film, uh, Rachel. Next I love film. how every one of these segments is a makeup and breakup for you guys. Well, <laughs> so, this... so one of the challenges that like Matt and I someday in the future look forward to doing oh, yeah. is an A-B where like both of us get the exact same script Ooh. and the exact same cast and like Matt directs one and edits one and I direct the other and edit the other. And then we and send like, it to people, and people vote on which is better. Ooh. Yeah, and, like, I know uh, deep in my heart of hearts that, like, no matter what, Matt's going to win because, like, he has the um, the eye of the tiger uh, for any of these things. But at the same time, like, every time someone watches mine and is like, I like that one better, it'll be a little burn. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, I've already explained multiple times, I'm beyond film criticism in my life at this point. He so has ascended. Oh, like, <laughs> even for you, like, if you guys don't know Not going to lie, like it'll, it, hard, it'll hurt. It'll hurt a little bit. He's a hardcore winner. Like, yes. any competition oh, very you ever have with Matt, like, he will double and triple and quadruple down on whatever his decision is. And, like, Matt's That's shocking and new information for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so, like... The thing is, is like I never expect to win against Matt, but any little wins will be a burn that will cut so deep. It's so true. What he's saying right now is so true. He's not matters. I fully, I fully admit that. Yeah, I love, I love to win the everything. I love to win the argument. I love to win the debate and love to win the everything. I love to win the everything. I've, I've always, I've always had this drive to be the best and that's part of the reason getting this back to the freaking movie we're supposed to be talking about (laughs) is because i i put so much pressure on myself to try to make these as good as possible that's why i have where dj and i spend so many hours in post-production and i'm telling him no do this change this do this do this because i want it to be as good as possible we could shit these things out as fast as possible and we should we will (laughs) never we will never you you go make your own movies and shit them out as fast as you can that's fine but i I want these things to be good, and and so that's why we spend so much time putting them out, and why it's rewarding when people are actually like, yeah, I, that that's good. We like it. I don't like, know. Right. I'd love to be referred to as three three take Jake, where we just like three take, take three Jake. All right, <laughs> three takes done. Next one. Three takes done. God. Next one. Three takes done. Next one. God. Back to you, Rachel. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this intermission. All right, so this movie, right. like you said, this is the Avengers of anthologies. Yep. Um, it has a respectable running time. So I thought it was... <laughs> I'm going to tell you something real quick. Okay. So there was discussion, because we, we have the apartment. There was discussion... That when you got all the way through the end credits, that the stinger was actually going to be Megan popping up saying, oh, you thought this was over? Here's one more. And they're showing the apartment. Because I have never seen a full film at the end as the end credits of anything before. That was almost almost done. But I was like, there's still time. There's still time with Tingles. That might be too long. Oh, Tingles. You have have seen nothing. (laughs) No, I mean, this, you think this thing is epic? The the story for tingles down your spine is gonna blow your mind. Oh, oh my god! Shit. Oh yeah, it's... I won't even know until I'm on set. So god, like... you, you, you got... I mean, this levels up like five times <laughs> from what chills is. It's crazy, amazing. Well, we yes, got, uh, the intermission. Wait. So we got to look at the Robo Mummy, which is pretty exciting. 
Yeah. Oh my god, I love Rob- Robo Mummy. Mummy. Was great. Have oh, you Have good. you watched the um, the uh, gag reel for Robo Mummy on? Our no, YouTube I have channel? not. Oh, you gotta I need watch to it. See it. I mean, because I knew that. this was something that has been like in the works forever. I read the script. I don't know a thousand years ago, so <laughs> I didn't know what was going on with it. So it's so it's still happening. Origin- well, originally, Origin- Robo yeah. Mummy was actually supposed to be part of this. Wasn't but, it like, supposed to be it a was short? So, yeah. yeah, it was so good when we were filming it that we're like, eh, let's just make a feature. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> well, that's partly true. Um, basically, <laughs> basically, what happened is on the first round of stuff, because like, we, sh- we, the- we shot Blood Model first uh, as a test, and everything went horribly wrong. Um, and then Mark convinced me, well, let's just do it one more time, but the Dead Lantern way, because Blood Model was shot very differently than the rest of this. Really? And um, we shot the first block of 10 days in 2017, and Robo Mummy was one of them. And we we filmed it, we put it together. I think we got most of it done. It just didn't have music to it and some of the effects to it, but it was like 30 yeah. minutes long. And we thought it was so good. We didn't want to cut anything. And so we're like, fuck it. Let's just spend another two days and turn it into a feature. And that's what we did. And that's why <laughs> Robo Mummy is not in chills down your spine. But Robo Mummy uh, will be a feature film coming hopefully in 2021. Ooh. But, you know, that's with deadlines. Yeah. You know, so you never know. <laughs> yeah, that was 2022. Let's, let's <laughs> Call yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I wanted to put Robo Mummy in there, uh, uh-huh. so as a tease for that movie. Uh-huh. I wanted to put Kamaria uh, in there as a tease for Tingles Down Your Spine because yeah. there's multiple genies, including male genies, in Tingles Whoa. Down Your Spine. They are bottomless, so bottomless, you know, bottomless yeah. male genies. And I wanted to have Mark, our producer, in it because that that is our that is our producer, Mark mm-hmm. Popejoy, who's who's the guy eating the popcorn. And, uh, and with those actual man pecs. Those are his man pecs. Oh! He, he, ju- he just won an award for bodybuilding. Like, that's what he was oh. doing. He was training for bodybuilding. And, um, well, that's production value. You can't that pass was, that up. Yeah. And, and I, that was my choice. I like, I was like, we got to get that. And yeah. like, he's like, take my shirt off. I'm like, yes. And put him in the vest. He had to be in the vest, you know, oh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but I wanted to have him in there as a meta commentary because that was the one thing we were missing. I liked about Shivers had a meta commentary, but we didn't really have that much in this because hmm. this was built from you know shivers was made after the fact the we could make any meta commentary we wanted on all the shorts because the rep round was shot last uh and we filmed it or wrote it after everything was already done but with chills we built it from the ground up so there was not a lot of meta commentary there was a lot of breaking of the fourth wall but steve made me cut a lot of it oh really he was like mm-hmm. he was like there's too much like there was a sequence where um uh, benito has megan up on the rack and uh he says we were originally going to shoot convention girl part two and that was going to be in chills down your spine but we weren't able to film that because the actors are no longer on speaking terms so we couldn't actually do it so we had a i had a whole thing where uh, Benito, when it comes back from that film, Benito says, why would you tell me a story of something I've not seen before? Now i got to go back, watch the first one to understand what the fuck this one is all about. And then Megan turns to the camera and she's like, and you can find that on Shivers Down Your Spine on Amazon, blah, 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 like a whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Steve, you know, bless his heart, Steve hates breaking the fourth wall. Hates it. And he's oh. like... He's and like, he does like all of it in the movie. Yeah. Well, he did. It, it, was a, it was a lot, and he did not like doing it. And so he's like, keep it. Uh, like, there's one uh, sequence where uh, breaking the fourth wall where uh, Steve says something to Megan, and then she looks at the camera, and oh, oh yeah, at the end of when he first finds Moctuna. When he first finds... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, but when he first finds Moctuna, and they 
go on the ancient road trip and she's all excited. And then Steve says, well, you got to put a shirt on. And then she turns the camera and she's like, and this film ain't getting distribution with a t-shirt. And it was just all, <laughs> it was a lot of that kind of stuff. And Steve was like, it's just too much. And so mm-hmm. I ended up cutting a bunch of it out. We left it in, but so I wanted more of that meta commentary. And so Mark Popejoy's character, who is the actual guy who plays himself, but he shows up in the calling of the things beyond. Right. It's his character going into the end so it's like we can we can tie this all together so mm-hmm. <laughs> i like the, so I, I like the intermission yeah no i think it's great but i know that mars takes issue with one particular shot mars oh boy okay dun, dun, dun. okay it's what, probably my shot it's a I'm dj sorry. shot well what, what did dj screw up <laughs> <laughs> no i just okay so i mean if you couldn't tell from the warm-up question i have a weird thing about feet okay oh. and it was uncomfortable to watch someone gesture with their foot. <laughs> that, and you know was... what? That was a DJ shot. <laughs> exactly. That was mine. Um, so, like, uh, our actress, like, uh, originally, like, she, like, leans up and does that, uh, like, out of nowhere. And I was like, that's great. That is amazing. Do that again. And, like, then we, like, focused on it, like, made it a thing. We? And then... It was it's awesome. So like, <laughs> disagree. And you know what? If you have a problem with it, is it the the feet, the look of feet? Is it like feet in general? Like, did did someone not rub their feet on your arm enough as a child? <laughs> oh God, don't say things like that. Now I'm picturing it. Well, I mean, like, so I I know that like there's a lot of regular feet out there, but if if you ever meet someone like myself who has like um, finger feet. Don't. Where they actually Stop. like bend as knuckles. Oh, yeah, you do. Then, like, you do have finger feet. It like grabs on <laughs> like a marsupial and or something. And watch me like pick things up and just like hand it to myself with my foot before. <laughs> yeah, in a regular way. So like the one thing, once you get used to that store sort of feet, it's more like a hand. It's a hand feet. Well, have you ever licked and, like, licked between someone's toes before? Oh, that's great. <laughs> we'll catch you next time if, <laughs> end of episode if you, if you just want like your hair to be massaged with feet you know like those those caressing bending toes can like rub your it's, noggin it's, it's interesting uh, that you that you say the feet thing because um, I, I honestly not, I'm super not into into feet either and clearly not to the level that you are but uh, i think we had a comment during that it was like that's our quentin tarantino shot yeah because quentin tarantino has yep. a close-up of a foot in like all of his movies and really? so that, like, yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah i'm aware no, notorious foot fetish okay okay we gotta back up for a second like i want i want mars on the on the spot here no. like tell me your feet thing because like we danced around <laughs> it a lot and maybe like, maybe she doesn't like, have feet. I mean, do you have feet? No, I don't, is she this likes to be... pretend she doesn't. Well, no, no, no. Like I like to. What's I like to pretend that I just have like leg pegs that click <laughs> into shoes. Well, I mean, okay. So like, are you, your own feet are basically like off limits too? Is that the case? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, I accept them. What, I mean, what if you have like an underarm <laughs> toenail on your this own feet? Like, oh like, I have God. so many ideas now for a new movie. I do. I, I just I don't I don't really know what it is that grosses me out about feet so much, but I think it's because they kind of look like deformed hands. Okay, what if they're? But painting? that's the closest I can get yeah. to a you... reason. I don't really have a Ooh. reason. They just for some reason I. I okay, I so here's the question: Like, what if we 
painted like I already hate you. No, no, no. This is this is a good idea. Trust me, trust me. Don't so trust we, him. Don't trust him. We we uh we paint like a hand on your foot and like each end of the finger ends at your toe and then it's black in between so that when you look at it from a distance, it just looks like a regular hand only it's attached to your leg. And like you look at it and it doesn't look the same anymore because the blackness covers up all of the in-betweens and you just have fingers that end with fingernails. RIP Mars. You know what's so weird is that I literally just had a dream where that was the case. (laughs) And I I was weirdly okay with it. I was like, that's an improvement. That's better. That's just four hands. Just tattoo your feet as hands and you'll be good to go. Then I'm fine. Now, if everybody else on the planet could do it, too, or stop wearing flip-flops in the office, then everything would be great. (laughs) Yeah, this week I got a very terse email from Mars about someone who is wearing flip-flops in her her office. It wasn't just because it was flip-flops. It was because it was these weird-ass sandals that kind of look... Do you know what saltwater taffy sandals are? Yes, yes, yeah. It was a it was a twenty five year old dude wearing sandals that looked vaguely like that, and it was weird to me. Ooh. It was startling. Well, okay, he actually, like, I love he, this. He came podcast. around the corner. I love this podcast. <laughs> what if, you, what if he's wearing have socks to come back on like in the future. Okay? Whenever you want me, Rachel, okay. you can have me. I, uh, this has been fun, but like, okay, I want to know though. Like, is socks okay? <laughs> We're only halfway through this movie. <laughs> Moving on, Rachel. Get to the next one. <laughs> Hey, listen, you guys aren't the only one getting therapy tonight, okay? This is, I mean, this podcast is going to be epic, just like our anthology. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, I figure we need to have, like, a motion feature linked uh, podcast, too. Can I just make this a commentary track on the Blu-ray? I mean, it's probably going to be <laughs> sure. just oh as God. long. Commentary sure. B. Yeah, exactly. Well, now, like, I kind of want to buy Mars, like, some socks that have feet on them. Mars, how do you feel about those? Why? That's just extra feet. <laughs> how do you feel about those so shoes that have individual toes? Oh, I fucking hate oh, those. <laughs> whoa. Whoa, that's a harsh take because they don't look anything like your feet. I disagree with that. Marshmallows at the end of like a, a black sock and like you just have marshmallow socks. That's also terrifying. Also terrifying. <laughs> don't like it. Don't like it. Speaking of not liking things, hysteria. hysteria. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now Mars, let's actually let's bounce back to Mars because Mars actually has some thoughts on hysteria. Okay. Well, okay. So here's full disclosure: I didn't know that Rachel had issues with this one, and I don't know what those well, issues are. We don't are. care about Rachel's thoughts anyway. So wow. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely hold your breath for that invite. It's coming. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, but when we were uh, planning out what we were going to talk about in this episode, I was like, oh, I want to talk about hysteria. And she went, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, well, fully not knowing Rachel's take on this, I wanted to talk about it because it was one of my favorite ones. Oh, um, I like the premise of the girls not knowing that they're dead, and I thought the dummy was funny, but apparently I might. No, no you're no, not no. wrong. You're not no, wrong. You're, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely right. Like. <laughs> Matt and I and Tony like chuckled like little girls all the way through this, and I don't know if that's well. There, an there's the way of... funny story about this, but I want to hear Rachel's hot take. First. I mean, I don't really have a super <laughs> hot take. I think conceptually, I like it. Conceptually, it's primarily However, dialogue related. That I was just going to is it is it Glenda the Glenda dialogue or is it the girls? <laughs> a little bit of column a a little bit of column b but mostly mostly the glenda thing i felt um that this was and it's probably intentional but it's just something that doesn't connect with me that it was grotesquely chauvinist but that's just not my brand you know like maybe 
that was a supposed to be that. <laughs> male like being male chauvinistic. I, I don't know. So I so here here's a little bit of backstory on Hysteria. So Hysteria was written by Tony, um, and we wanted sort of like a, a murder mystery sort of thing, like Clue, mm-hmm. right? Like the movie. Oh, Clue. okay. And uh, we had originally had an actual burlesque troupe that was going to play these roles, but oh, of course cool. we can't hit deadlines. And two years later, they're all at different points, points in their lives, and they can't do it. <laughs> so we have to call in some of our favorite actresses to come on in and, and do this thing. Now, when we filmed this, we thought it was hilarious. Everybody was, after every take, people were just laughing like crazy. We're like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be so fucking cool. I edit this thing. I put it together. It is the most boring. I was like, what the fuck did we do wrong here? This is not funny. It's, it's so bad. It's, it was terrible. And it was originally like 23 minutes or something like that. It just wasn't oh, wasn't wow. working at all. And so uh, Tony, uh, again, was like, well, let me take a crack at doing a, a different edit of it. And he chopped it down to like 13 minutes. And I think it ultimately came out to right under 15. And uh, But a lot of the stuff that we had to cut were, was Glenda stuff. Mm. Now, the, the character of Glenda was intentionally supposed to be the most crass, pig-like chauvinist thing right. possible. So we, but we, since we cut all the Glenda stuff out, we, there, I mean, there ultimately was basically nothing with Glenda in the final cut. Mm. So what we had to do is we had to get uh, the Eric Moyer, uh, the guy at the very beginning of Hysteria who gets shot uh, with his wife. A lot of gunfire in this anthology yeah, a too. Of, a lot of guns. I don't know what the, I don't know what thing. I was trying to like pull out with the guns. Like more guns. <laughs> Let's kill more people. I don't know. Uh, but I was like, uh, Eric, you're gonna we're ADR all your lines. You're just gonna come up with random lines. We didn't have anything written for him. We're just like, and I told him, and I'll take the I'll take the arrows, Rachel, for for this one. I was like, come up with the most crass awful things that you could possibly say about these girls because he's embarrassed like we're filming yeah. this in the basement as he's doing the audio for this and like he's like oh god don't show that to my wife i mean <laughs> i mean i mean dj wasn't actually there when we did that but whatever i actually was i filmed it down in the no basement no 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 right the after a- the no 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 the adr no we didn't use any of that the ADR was a year later at Patrick Lambrick's place. So, no, like, no, the twat waffle bad. line and all of that shit, that was all Eric later on. I know you you hate that. Uh, I, I knew Rachel would hate that. You know, um, the but, issue is that I feel like there's some good puns in there that I did think worked. Like, the go with the grain was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I thought just, that was the worst. I hated that. Oh, see, I feel like the more puns would have been better. But, like, like, if it were more dad joke dirty as opposed to just, like, you're a fucking twat waffle. Yeah, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like it feels like the film does not get that. Like the film celebrates that in a way that is problematic. Yeah. Um, and I that's mean, fair. That's fair. Yeah. And um, I, don't, so. I don't actually really hate it, but I mean, like if you want to know what my issue was, it was probably that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I can totally see that. Uh, looking back in hindsight, you know, that's going to rub people the wrong way. Um, but the idea was this this ventriloquist dummy was just going to be like the worst quote unquote human being ever. <laughs> like uh-huh, he was just, uh-huh. he was just fucking terrible. And we wanted people to hate this thing. So ultimately mm. when he quote unquote dies at the end, you feel good about it. But of course, then we have a twist. Now I will tell you hysteria Two breaking news is part oh, wow. of tingles down your spine. <laughs> so, so this is all going to come back around and, and your least favorite ventriloquist dummy is going to end up getting hits. So, 
I won't, no. I won't put it there. <laughs> I just, I loved the moment uh, when he's turning, making the girl turn the gun on herself, and she's like, I loved you. And he goes, I yeah. yeah, that was funny. That was funny. I'll give you that. I think, yeah. yeah, I think maybe when you did all the chopping down, something about the balance of who you were supposed to root for changed. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see uh, that. Yeah, and the, and the thing about the Glenda character, the reason why he was supposed to be so crass is because the nicest person in the film, which is played by Katie Otten, she's the one controlling him. But yeah. everything else, like, when she's in it, she is, like, the nicest person. And they were supposed, there was supposed to be that dichotomy mm-hmm. where how can somebody this nice and this friendly and happy and smiley be using, you know, uh, making this ventriloquist dummy say the most awful things possible and so that was that was the the goal whether or not we hit it i think it's also the like that combined with the fact that it's called hysteria kind of sets you up for a very particular vibe you know what i mean because hysteria is a word that is like used against women and i was like oh this has got some major misogynist undertones (laughs) oh see see that i mean hysteria i that never once crossed my mind ever. <laughs> uh, that was a t- that was what Tony called the movie. Tony had this whole idea for like hysteria. We're gonna have like a skeleton come out of the clouds at the beginning, and yeah, I never even thought about that. It's interesting that like you kind of went there. My wife watched this, and when she was done, she's like, "That didn't make any sense." <laughs> like, it wasn't that like she was like offended by any particular thing. She's just like that's a really bad plot and like it doesn't really make any sense it doesn't hang together like what is going on like ghosts can't know that they're ghosts like this is stupid and i was like oh you know what i'm too close to the project i never really thought about it that way you're correct i think oh i kind of love that though when the girls all of a sudden were like oh crap and then they'd like pop out (laughs) the part that worked for me is it's scooby-doo like this is basically a scooby-doo yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and like in fact when like we were talking with mike to come with music for it like matt and i both were like scooby-doo this and like he's like (laughs) (laughs) nails it and like the short like the part that my wife is way smarter than I am. So when she, she watched this, she's like, I'm looking for an intellectual turn on this. And like, I'm like, no, this is stupid. <laughs> this intellectual is stupid humor. T- this is like uh, Scooby-Doo, like Scooby-Doo. Like they didn't know that the guy that they've been chasing the entire time is like behind the monster. Like whatever, like, come on. Like everybody knew that it was Mr. George, the park owner that now, was like running around terrorizing people. One, like, one, that's what this is. One interesting thing is when Anastasia gets drowned, in the bathtub we shot that scene when we filmed bed and breakfast breakfast. but then we shot her death scene with the axe in bed and breakfast while we're filming hysteria (laughs) and and i'll never forget because uh anastasia is very sort of um conscientious of you know how things are going to look right like uh she's just sort of like well how is this going to work and i remember like oh we're just going to film your hysteria death while while we rented out this mansion and we'll just put you in this bathtub and we'll drown you and we'll be good and she's remember her saying she's like well, that won't look right because it won't match up. And I was like, trust me, it, it's going to work just fine. And then when she watched <laughs> it, she didn't even realize it. Oh. And I was like, it was like, oh. worked, worked, worked like a charm. But I will say one of my favorite shots in all of Chills Down Your Spine is that final shot of Anastasia when she's like in black and white and drown underneath uh, the water and like the bubbles are coming up. I was like, man, that's totally French New Wave right there. <laughs> Jean-Luc Godard would love it. <laughs> You can take the mat out of film school. But... Yeah, right. And what's even funnier is when she first started splashing around in there because we're like, okay, yeah, you're just in this bathtub. 
she she put all the water like displaced all over onto the floor. Mm. We were it like, like a wood floor, it's like, like a nice chocolate tub. Yeah, in this like classic hotel, like slash like bed and breakfast. Mark like, rent. He spent like fifteen hundred dollars just to rent Whoa. the place for us to stay there, and we were like, "Holy shit, don't splash so much!" Because she because she was really going for it. She was like, Psh. "I was like, oh god, oh god, we're gonna we're gonna ruin something." But no. next time, towels. Yes, yes. Turn that Yeah. Yeah. Tarps, a big tarp. And I did like there's one little sight gag in it because I, I don't want to be too overly negative, but there was one little sight gag where the pirate girl like cuts her own throat and then like apologizes the to the parrot. Yeah. So we did like a lot of the parrot stuff, like Matt and I were back and forth about it and I, I kept adding weird sounds and like Matt actually like started piling on and like by the time we were done Tony, Matt and I were like yes yeah, because <laughs> we need to get extra wacky with every single thing like yeah. sound effects and, are so important. and this is a perfect example of DJ having an incredibly stupid idea <laughs> and then by me saying no try something different it turns into a great idea so there you no, go no no no, no. <laughs> that's not how it went down at all I'm like, here's this great idea, and you're like, I don't know. And then, like, by the time you're done, you like took my idea and went like another level. That's up exactly what I stuff. just said. No, no, no. <laughs> no, my idea was the the brains, and like you just like put some cream on top. See, That's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, Rachel, Hysteria Two, you're gonna like it. I think you're gonna like it. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. All okay. right, so let's talk about something that I really liked, which was Whirlpool of Night. All right. Uh, now, now, this... now, if you find anything problematic with this, it's your fault. I know. You reviewed the I... script. <laughs> this one I was very excited about because I wanted to see how it all came out. Because, okay. like, to explain what you're talking about. So yeah. when you were doing the table reads for this, you needed somebody to step in and just kind of, like, you a, a like somebody wasn't available so you just need someone to read lines and so you asked me to do it and after it was over i was like are you aware that your yeah. <laughs> main character was just sexually assaulted yeah you're like <laughs> you stupid man you haven't thought of all the angles here and i'm like what just like me <laughs> i feel like i came about it kind of like an, i'm like so how do we no. feel about this like you know what do you think this is like coercive yeah. sex that's happening and you were like Say what now? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> and then because... we like for two days like brainstormed how to make it less rapey. Yeah, okay, and so it was. <laughs> yeah, and and, th- and this is the thing. So I wanted to. I love film noir. I absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, mm-hmm. Old classical Hollywood film noir. It's a very hyper masculine sort of genre style. Whatever, wherever you fall on that line of what film noir is hyper masculine almost every single film noir is this very masculine sort of thing and i was like i've never seen one that's just all women right i've never seen one i, I wanted to do one because again i'm always want i always want to do something new i want to try something i've never tried before and uh you know i wrote this script and i had no clue as to any of the issues that you would have with it but i I remember running it by you because I was like, I, you know, if there's, this is all girls here, is this problem? Maybe I should have ran hysteria by you. You can hit me up. I'm happy. I, you know, I love to yeah. give an opinion. <laughs> yeah. And you're, and you're like, Matthew, this is so rapey. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And then you walked me through 
the mindset, you know, of, you know, a female perspective in these characters that I, I had, hadn't even, it hadn't even crossed my mind. All I thought was, oh yeah, this is just a cool sort of detective story and she's doing this thing to get this thing. Mm-hmm. Hadn't even considered it. Hadn't even considered it. And so, you know, you brought a lot to this, super valuable. Um, and so then we changed it so it was her choice to go do the things that she sort of had to do because it was, yeah. you know, that, that was what was missing in the original script. Mm-hmm. And I think it came out great. And one motivation completely changed the entire dynamic of that interaction that she has. And, and that's and that's the thing. Like scripts, in my view, are living documents, right? We're mm-hmm. we're always tinkering with scripts, and I always like to have. I I am not a dialogue person. I am a idea person. So when I write a script, it's coming from the base idea of a story, and like mm-hmm. in the visuals in my mind and how the story is going to go, and you know you did a great job sort of saying, hey, this needs to be changed a little bit because it would have come across way, like a lot different than what I would have intended it to come across had it stayed that way. And it was just because I was blind to it. I had no idea. You know, I'm just, you know, a a male writer (laughs) trying to do this weird story. And you were like trying to hit plot points. So like it made sense, you know, but like, it's just one of those things where it was just kind of like, just shift the context. And I I will say at the end, this uh, of all the shorts, is the one that I most want to see other things in this universe. Oh, this is all part of the Dead Lantern cinematic universe. All these I was going to ask about the DLU. Like, cause yeah. this, where does this... The DLU? <laughs> the, the DLCU, please. I mean, get it right. Dead Lantern cinematic universe. Oh, 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 pardon me. Excuse me, sir. But yeah, Season because like I, there's a like, line that Tuna says about how like stories, all the stories have either been told or well, will happen. And I'm I was like, well, we, we have Isabel, which is like the dark and stormy night trilogy of films that you did there's yeah. three of them right so obviously this must somehow be a part of that universe and so i was yeah. kind of wondering where this movie falls in that yeah so if you go to deadlantern.com you can actually see <laughs> I've, I've actually listed all of the films and where they where they fit and everything oh. what all the characters are so so all of the films that we do have some sort of connection to to a shared universe whether it could be a location, it could be an item, it could be uh, a character, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so this, if, if you saw Shivers Down Your Spine, there's a short film called Shortly After Nightfall. Mm-hmm. That's also in black and white. Uh, that takes place in sort of like this darkness universe. And this particular one takes place in that same time frame uh, after the events of Isabel. Uh, but in this world, sort of people have sort of started to deal with the craziness that's going on and trying to sort of, you know, have come back to some sort of semblance of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of, it, it falls in that sort of space, like around shortly after nightfall, that sort of stuff. But Now, okay, so let me ask you this, because I was wondering, I felt like I saw some props that moved throughout some of the films. And I don't know if that was just me imagining it, but there were some like Egyptian items that I saw, I thought I saw pop up in a couple different places. And I was wondering if that was the case. The Egyptian stuff was just our friend Tony loves Egyptian oh, stuff, okay. and that's what that was what was <laughs> well, in his bedroom. Thing. Now it could be, <laughs> yeah, it could be. You're like, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. and like, and like the yes, the, the character of Veronica Payne. Um, so we had actually done auditions, and this is how we met our friends Mark Popejoy and Christina Olsen, all these characters. I have like a film that is like my dream film to do. And it's oh. uh, it's called the dark around your heart, and okay. we had done we had done castings for this, and 
it's just it's not something that we will ever be able to do. I it, we'd never be able to make it unless Chills Down Your Spine is sold for a million dollars or some shit like that. There's no way you that I'd ever be able to make it in the way that I would want it to be made. So we just you know gave up on it. But I've sprinkled a lot of these characters that are in this massive script uh, into other films. So it's like I still like a lot of, a lot of the characters that I've written. I try to place them. Mm-hmm. In other things, in different time periods, and things of that nature, like you, the bed, bed and breakfast is supposed to be the same house as Hysteria, so that's why it oh. opens with the exact same establishing shot. The problem is, obviously, just practically, we couldn't go back down and spend fifteen hundred dollars to film down there, so we just say, "Well, they remodeled." Ah. <laughs> <Inside>. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it's uh, bed and breakfast takes place in you know 1958, I think, and then uh, hysteria takes place sort of like modern times, and you know, so locations show up in multiple places, characters show up in multiple places, and they're all linked. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you, I'm, but I'm really glad you caught the line where Moktuna says, "All stories have happened." Because the wraparound mm. story is is the meta of the entire universe. Because the end of this movie, I'll go ahead and spoil it. I don't care. The end of the movie is, you know, Steve refusing to save the world, <laughs> and he needs what happens? Sexual Tyrannosaurus. Exactly. So what <laughs> what happens when he refuses to save the world? Well, a future with a lot of bad movies. Number one, and Benito's character wants a darkness to swallow the world and cause chaos. Hence, we lead into the events of the Eyes of Isabel, Grand Horror, Outpost Doom, all of that oh, stuff. So it's that's... it's all. So this yeah. is all prequel. Well, that's the thing. It's not necessarily like the individual stories with the, the genie's telling are not all prequels. They take place in all right. different times because she's just saying but all the, the wrap stories around. that happen. The wraparound is a prequel. Yeah, oh, shit. All right. That's deep. I like it. I like yeah. it. That's intricate. Yeah. I, like it. <laughs> I mean, I'm ambitious, if nothing else. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and this is where we cross the line from like doing okay to try too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Now I will say, I will say there is one super Dead Lantern fan, and I posted this article on our website that just went through every single film, how all the connections uh, connect, and we got a comment on it. It's the only comment on this because people probably read it, probably like, "What the fuck? I haven't even seen any of these movies." I don't right, understand. right. There was one girl, and she's like, "Well." What about uh, the senior photo of the girl in the Grand Horror that the guy's holding? Also shows up in Outpost Doom. What's her connection? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, you, you, re- you f- identified that? I mean, these movies were shot in like 2005 and 2007. She's like, oh yeah, I'm deep into Dead Lantern mythology. Tell me what oh! it's all about. And I was like, holy shit, we have like a super fan that notices all of this stuff that I pepper into all these things that's gotta be amazing that's gotta be in some ways better than good reviews yeah it's crazy because like someone likes the film so much that it's something that they invested their entire life into our well i wouldn't say her entire life i mean like that's a 15 year span of like paying attention to anything any thread that's crazy and and that is well what's what's interesting about the the cinematic universe is everyone is like oh you're just copying marvel like you you like marvel does it it's doing it but here's the thing. My mom, my middle name is Stephen because my mom loves Stephen King. I was going to so say, she like, named I me Stephen. Stephen King predates so it, yeah. I, I read Stephen King growing up as a kid. My mom was giving me, like, The Stand when I was seven and read it. <laughs> you know, I was going through that shit. 
I recognize, like, I loved in different Stephen King books when he would pepper in little, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, characters here, like Randall Flagg shows up here, but he's a different name here. But, you know, yep. it's, it's all these various things. And <laughs> Deja vu. I know, and so, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> we had but this I was conversation like, yesterday. <laughs> okay. Well, but I was like, I love that stuff. And so when I was writing these things, I, I just took that kind of stuff because I liked the idea that there's a, a shared universe out there. I didn't want everything to be like, you know, in a sequential order. Like this is all happening. I liked that it was bouncing around. Like I could pull a character and tingles down your spine. Like I'll give you a little tease here. Char- <laughs> characters from all the Dead Lantern films, all of them oh! show up in tingles down your spine. So people show need to do tingles. their homework. They will. They'll have to do their homework. So. I mean, I just learned this right now, so yeah. like, good job. <laughs> oh, like, 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 you'll know one thing when you get on set now. <laughs> my phone, like, I didn't realize we're oh, gonna yeah. have everybody back again. Yeah, I miss you, those folks, so it'll be nice to see. You're, you're gonna see a lot of characters, and it's all gonna come together with how the darkness ends, how it all Ooh. ends. Because the, I'll, I'll just tease something else here. There's <laughs> mul- the, there's multiple wraparounds in Tingles Down Your Spine. One of those wraparounds. Uh, you're not going to realize what time period it actually takes place in until the very end of the movie. Ooh. And then something happens at the end of the movie, and you realize, how does this whole darkness, how, how does how does the wish that Benito wishes, how does that sort of reverse itself? And then what, oh, what happens when it does? It's very intricate. I don't even know if it's going to work, honestly. I'm going to have to work <laughs> on all of this. This sounds like a pain in the ass. Oh, it will be. <laughs> Rest up, friend. <laughs> Cheese and rice. Can we like lower the scope bar a little bit? Absolutely please? not. <laughs> raise uh, it, raise it. I mean, that's the I'm, problem. I'm s- Chills is so good, and it shows like a growth in your filmmaking that now you have to take it to the next level. We have a space horror in Tingles Anderson. Oh my god! Spoiler. So <laughs> I mean, so honestly, like, I think where Chills shines is that like. It doesn't necessarily show a growth in our our movement forward. It actually shows us, like, caring more than we have in the past and, like, paying more attention. Because, like, honestly, like, Matt and I have been at the same level for quite some time. However, with this one, like... I feel like this is better. This is better than I feel like like there's something refined. I don't know. Like, Like, you can... If you go back and watch Outpost Doom, like, you can see Matt's style existing in that. And this is, like, a much more polished version of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Outpost Doom, like, that's... That's way back, but I, I, like from like Isabel okay. and and Shivers to now, mm. like I think we're basically in the same spot, except that Matt cares a lot more. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's working. So. All right, and the caring like means that like when I'm like that's good enough, he's like no, it's not good enough, DJ. And I have to say, as a friend and critic, I'm so relieved it's good because <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, please don't be bad. I well, see, bad. that's the thing. Like, like we were getting if it's bad, you could just tell. I know yeah. I could. I know you would be fine fire. with it, but like my, I would have trouble doing it because what's, I'm, I'm the anti bat Like I don't want to be the asshole. But what's so interesting so. is, and I will say, there's a little part of me that was hoping that you were going to rip on the film yeah, just just because sorry. we have gotten so many good reviews like overly positive reviews maybe from everywhere. it means it's good, Matt. Well, I no, know these guys are on crack. This is just okay. But yes, I'm glad you like Whirlpool of Nights uh, because you had a a hand in that. And so I wanted to make sure that was not problematic. Uh, Again, the last shot, the last shot, we filmed that a year later, too. Two years later. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, putting vampire teeth in anybody's mouth makes them sound like they have speech impediments. 
It's also, not a thing that also works out. Whirlpool is the least horror of all of the films, I think. Mm, I don't think it's horror. really a horror film, honestly. We had to put the vampire sequence in at the very end just because we're like, well, we got to put some, otherwise it's not horror. The, I mean, I want to know the mythology around the like gun-toting, weird, religious dude. That's what I want to know. Dude, that was a girl. That was a girl. That was okay, girl. Sorry, girl. That's yeah. right. We're in a universe of all ladies. Woman. So- <laughs> Although I will say that Crystal could kick my Crystal ass could kick ass anybody's ass. Time. She's like a she's, she's like, like a bodybuilder, bodybuilder MMA fighter. Me. She's like that amazing ass, though. Yeah. She's amazing in that. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about something you didn't like. Tell me about okay. Blood Model. <laughs> Tell you about Blood Model. Oh wow. Um, so Blood Model was back when Mark or, well, fat, rewind to 2015, and Mark is pitching me on doing this. Now Mark is such a nice guy. He, he's one of these great dudes that will give you the shirt off his back if you need it and so you know and it's then hard he'll to flex say- his titties for you yes yeah, but it's, it's it's hard to say no to this guy and so he was like you know we'll do this and i was like fine mark pick a script out of chills down your spine any that you want pick the one that you want to make and we'll do that one first now part of the process was mark was like we're going to make this bigger we're going to next level this now normally when with dead lantern films it's dj myself steve and maybe a handful of groupies that show up and by groupies i mean like <laughs> male friends who we can convince to show up and okay batteries. i was like this is troubling no. <laughs> where are we going with this <laughs> yeah, i'm using a different definition of groupies um, so, but it's usually the three of us that are doing it. <laughs> Fluffer. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and so Mark was like, no, man, we're going to next, we're going to get, we're going to get dedicated cinematographers and we're going to have production managers. We're going to oh have oh, all no. of this so thing. Bad. Now I will say to his credit, I was kind of excited by this because I had never made a movie like that before because I had always thought it was so difficult for us to make movies because we just didn't have a lot of people. And I thought, naively that well shit yeah i mean this is what hollywood does <laughs> you know it'd be great they gotta... if we were relegated to middle management yeah so i was like yeah that would be amazing it's like, <laughs> you know what i really want to do is like just be that guy that's like have you filled out the form yet uh, yeah come on. And that's the thing, like, <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't know what i was getting into but i thought at the time i was like well sweet if i have if i have a a person that's that's their job to pay attention to this thing so i don't have to do it that's going to be great for me and no. it was the worst experience of my life. It was it was <laughs> okay. incredibly so, awful. So, like for ABs, Matt and I like we have our rules. Like when we're on set, like there's a thing that I do and there's a thing that Matt does, and like we work together as a team to complete something. But imagine if like instead you had two lackeys that were assigned to, you and you're like, "Hey, complete my tasks," and they're like, oh, "I think I got it." And you're like, and they did don't. you get it? And they're like, yeah, I probably got it. And like, can you oh, help me no. with this? Like, yeah, um, here, let me come over. Like, are, are you sure that's right? And they're like, oh yeah, I got it. And like, that's the whole thing. That that's the thing that you do. And then you're like there with Matt, and Matt's like, hey, do you got that thing? He's like, yeah, I probably got it. And it's like, <laughs> it was. And we're like, fuck. Like, are they doing anything? Like, what is their job? Like, yeah, what, this, what is our job? This is like, then, yeah, it, it was. It was like, and I'm sure you guys have been in sort of like a corporate setting where your corporate, you know, you know, your director's like, hey, why don't you guys all get into like a group and f- complete this project together? Uh, and then you're like, you know. Everybody has to have their own little input, and then nobody has input, and everybody – it was fucking awful. Mars, are you having flashbacks to our job? 
<laughs> so yeah. it was terrible. So yep. th- this was one of the only times I've ever actually got pissed off on set. I, I basically ended a night of shooting. I was like, fuck it, we're done. Uh, I had to call Steve on Sunday morning. I was like, buddy, because Steve was retired. I was like, I need you to come up. We got to finish this Dead Lantern style on the Sunday because the Friday it took us shit. I don't know. We finished at six in the morning. We were supposed to be shooting at like mm. nine the, <laughs> to finish the rest of it. I mean, we had to, it, it was it was a big big nightmare because there was too many too many people in the kitchen. Too many cooks. We, mm-hmm. DJ and I weren't running cameras. We had cinematographers plural that were running the cameras and but that it's was even worse because they're like not familiar with the cameras so i'm like did you get that shot in focus and he's like yeah probably it was I'm like no did you get that shot in focus and he's like yeah i pushed the button like you told me to like well that isn't an answer it wasn't... that is just a statement it wasn't like... quite like that <laughs> i mean the, the, oh, it was. The... there were times where like i was about to choke a our person our, our... <laughs> our, the, the the cinematographers that we had and I actually are, like those guys. They're nice guys. They're it's very talented. Like... They are directors in their own right. That's why we brought them on. So it's not like they are bad at their job. The problem was, uh, I and I will take full they're responsibility. They're bad at your for this. job. Exactly. I will take yeah. full responsibility for this because I thought this was going to work, and I'm like, you know what? I have to have control. I'm a control freak when it comes to this shit, and I cannot just hand it off to somebody else and hope that it's done right. And so ultimately, we, f- we somehow finished the film. I put together a cut of it, and I hated every minute of it. <laughs> oh, and no. I, and I, I sent it to Mark, and I was like, watch this. And Mark was like, this isn't good. I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> this was the test. We're not doing the rest of Chills Down Your Spine because I said if this blood model doesn't work, I'm done. And this was an awful experience. And he worm-tongued me again. And oh, he no. said, he's, he stuck his tongue in my ear and he tickled it a little. And he's like, let's, <laughs> let's continue, but just do it Dead Lantern style. And I was like, okay, yes. <laughs> and so that's why the rest of Chills happened. Now, let's fast forward four years. So we shoot this in 2016. I do a cut of it almost immediately. And I hate it. Fast forward to 2020, January of 2020. I've done nothing with this movie. The cast hasn't seen it. The crew hasn't seen it. Nobody's seen it. It's sitting on a hard drive that I hope fails. So I never have to do anything with the And And this is a thing I will tell to all filmmakers, all directors out there. If you hate something, just let it sit and wait. Because in January of this year, I just got sort of like this spark of an idea. I was like, wait a minute. I can change the entire edit of this and I can edit it in a completely different way. And I think I can make it work. And so I decided to get in front of the the computer and take all this footage again and put it together in a much more streamlined fashion. And I was like, I don't hate this anymore. I, (laughs) I, I think, I think I, I can actually be okay with this so much so that I was like, I'm fine with this being in the final chills down your spine. And I sent it to Mark. I said, what do you think of this? And he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And so then of course we put the, the music to it and, and did all that stuff and it. It's not my favorite film, right. obviously, in the anthology, but it's something that I'm no longer sort of deeply resentful of. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not horrible. Like, when Matt sent it to me, I was like, oh, God, we're doing this again. And, like, when I got done, I was like, eh, we did that. That's no. Fine. Um, yeah. But when you, but when you saw like, my cut of it, you actually gave me a compliment. You're like, 
this isn't that bad. I was like, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was my compliment. That, so one thing I want to like iterate to every filmmaker out there, whoever you are, I don't care. Never, ever let someone convince you that you should shoot something with no sound. No, you're you're getting your films mixed up. You're, I know, that's... no, no, I know, but like <laughs> oh because like uh, Timian, who is like giving me nightmares my entire life after this about shooting something, like I just want to make sure everybody knows: never allow someone to shoot something yeah. without sound. So, Period. so ultimately, uh, <laughs> it turned out a lot better than I th- that I thought it was going to turn out, and. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what you guys thought of it, but yeah, the blood model. That's, That's kind of the story behind blood model. <laughs> All right, such a storied history. I love oh, it. God. All right, so let's. We are. This is getting epic. So we Holy should probably. Crap. Yeah, we're like three. I hours mean, I feel like now. we were overdue for a chit chat, so it's fine. But let's let's go ahead and talk about <laughs> the calling of things beyond. So this is no, this is all Matt. I was not involved. Yeah, at DJ all. wasn't so even there for it. Because this is the to me the least other than the plane. Yeah. <laughs> you landed the plane. Got it. So, um, the, to me, this is the most unmat of the movies. So, can you tell yeah. me a little bit about how? I mean, I really enjoyed it. I love Lovecraft. So, like, anytime you have some shit like this, I'm like, yes, sign me up. I'm into it. But tell me about how this thing came about. So this came about because, number one, I'd always wanted to do a Lovecraft film. Uh, we briefly touched Lovecraft a little bit without posting, but not in any real way. Uh-huh. Um, you know, tentacle monsters and all that stuff. Yeah, but I, yeah. I'd always wanted to do an actual Lovecraft film. And DJ was not going to be able to come down for this one. And so Mark Timian, uh, I asked him to sort of come on set and, and help me with this one. And my goal with, with this is exactly what you said. I wanted to do something completely outside my comfort zone. Yeah. I wanted to work with actors I'd never worked with before. I wanted to break every rule of cinema that I could possibly break in it. And I wanted to make it look completely different. And, I, and again, I went into it. I was like, I have no idea if this was, this will work. I told the, the cast when we first got together, I was like, I'm planning this I have no idea if it's going to turn out good. It's going to basically be an experiment. And uh, Mark Timmian and I just kind of, I, I told him, I was like, we're going to go wild. He's like, well, how wild do you want to get? I was like, fucking, like, no one understands what the hell's going on mm-hmm. wild. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. I was like, yeah. And Mark Timmian, he's like, let's just whip pan around all these characters. And let's weird, like in post-production, weird sounds. The idea was that she is writing this play and reality is sort of fracturing all around her. So we yeah. don't, the audience doesn't know what, what's actually real, what's not real. And that was intentional. And um, I was very happy with what, how it came out. I love the music. Uh, Michael Fancy did incredible with the music, nailed exactly sort of what I was going for with it. The cast was awesome. That scream, uh, Sarah Nicole, uh, mm-hmm. that's oh a God. real scream. Wilhelm scream. Uh, and so and we put her scream in multiple other films throughout the, the, the Chills Down Your Spine <laughs> just because it's so, so you good. have your own Wilhelm scream now is what you're saying. Yeah, because, because she was there and we were down in the basement of the Grand Theater where we shot a Christmas horror story in the same location for Shivers. Mm. We shot the Grand Horror. This is where the Grand Horror was shot. Yeah. So we keep going back to this location. And Sarah is just such a nice, quiet girl. And, and we're like, can you scream? Just a terrifying scream. And she's like, well, I mean, I've screamed before, but I've never really screamed, screamed, like terrified scream. And I was like, well, just do your best. 
And and so and that scream was like ear shattering. We're like, fuck. <laughs> you, they, I was like, we can make money off this scream. We need to sell this scream to other horror filmmakers. Uh, and so, but yeah, it all came together. But huge props to DJ for post production as well because I made him add all kinds of weird shit. Yeah. I was like, hey DJ, can you make all the eyeballs move and and stuff like that? And, DJ, can you make planes explode? And like, and, yes, and so yeah. you know, DJ had a huge part of this. He you know he wasn't there for the filming of it, but the post production, a lot of that is well, him. actually, like I, so I I rant that timian doesn't record audio sometimes but i also want to rant that like <laughs> matt allowed timian to do every shot that i would want to do that's but true would tell me to fuck off <laughs> if i ever wanted that's to do so it in this. and so when i watched this i was so pissed i'm like whip pan i've always wanted to do a whip pan and matt has never <laughs> let me and like i look at other shots and i'm like zoom on random things yes, <laughs> i want to do that but matt would never let me it's true <laughs> it's true and when, when, and so when like, we were on set this like i was so mad because I was like, these are all the things I've dreamed about, and Matt has never let me do them. And then some other guy rolls in. It's not a normal film guy. Yeah. Matt like, does it, and Matt's like, good job, buddy. And yeah. It's like, oh! Well, what was, what was hilarious is Timmy, Timmy and I were on set, and when we would do a shot, and we would be like, a DJ is going to love that. And I was like, he's going to be pissed off he didn't get to shoot it himself. We would laugh about it. We would absolutely laugh about it. I'm so I that actually like this one is one of my like most irritated ones because <laughs> when I watch it like these are all the shots I love and like Matt has denied me my my life's blood the denied. entire time we shoot denied <laughs> and like and then he picks like a random stranger to take up my calling and like do it random all stranger we've worked with this guy multiple times you know yeah Tibia. yeah 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 he's dead to me now. <laughs> <laughs> This is such the like finding out your ex is like oh I always wanted to go to a B and B and he never would let me go to a and now he's going to a B and B with this other person. I know exactly. <laughs> Matt's been cheating on me this entire time. So yeah. now, are you going to give DJ like a makeup short where he can just go freaking? No, hand- of course not. Access <laughs> no, denied. It's like that end of lawnmower man. Like I'm never going to get out of that room. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but uh, but yeah, this and this was a, the capper because we kind of felt originally we were going to put Devil's Corkscrew last, hmm. and we sort of we were like, well, you know, we at the time we thought, you know, everyone was like, that's the best one. We don't want to. What if people don't make it to the end of this epic <laughs> three-hour movie? <laughs> right. So we're like, we're like the apocalypse. I think that was Tony's idea. He's like, the apocalypse just seems like that'll yeah. that'll work for the very end, and so yeah. that's what we put at the end. Tony's got some good instincts, man. He does. He does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So overall, I really enjoyed I think people should definitely check it out. Now, how can people get their hands on this? That's the question. <laughs> they can. In, fi- <laughs> in five years, we'll put it up on Amazon Prime. No. Oh, no. Uh, so, so right now, I don't know if this is too much information, but right now there's discussions going on about possible distribution possible okay. distribution in terms of like real distribution like Ooh. real not not just we stick it up on amazon ourselves and, what? and whatnot yeah. but just it's just talk at, at the moment there's no there's nothing like solidified somebody's right. gonna give us 20 dollars and then they're so, gonna like run off with it well Yay. i don't know i don't know again mark mark pope joy is our producer he's sort of handling that sort of aspect of it but basically what the tentative plan is now is 
We're going to have Blu-rays. The Blu-ray is going to be packed with a million extras. I mean, we have a two-hour making-of documentary. We have an hour and 45-minute gag reel for all of the films. We have, <laughs> we have like, nine hours of audio commentary tracks oh, that people so can have. Content. We have the Hysteria music video. We have... Uh, we have That's garbage, I did, I did a black-and-white version of Bed and Breakfast, like an actual Amazing. gothic, <laughs> gothic black-and-white version. We have The Apartment, which is another short film we shot uh, that we didn't put in the finished product, but we're going to put on the Blu-ray. I mean, Blu-ray's packed. Go to deadlander.com. You can see all the different special features. Uh, that'll be out whenever that can, comes out, but we are taking pre-orders, so if you want one, email us at deadlanternpictures at gmail.com. You can go to our website, email us. We'll put you on the pre-order list. We will send you an email when they become available. So I think Blu-rays are going to be 20 bucks, uh, and then shipping and handling. I think that's what we're going to go with. And then nice. tentatively... The plan is to put chills down your spine pending any weird things happening that we suddenly get a bunch of money uh, is to put it up <laughs> on Amazon uh, direct around Halloween time. So people will be able to get it from there Ooh. if they want. So that's that's the tentative uh, plan. But, but right as now. I've said multiple times, we're awful with deadlines. So don't hold right. us to any of that. <laughs> it, it could be three years before you see any of it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we won't, we want to get this out, uh, especially for the cast and crew, um, because they did such a great job, uh, and I want their stuff to be seen. Uh, and there's there's nothing in this that I feel is like, ee, ugh, I, I wish I wouldn't have put that in there. I wish uh, wish I would have directed this person a little bit better. I, I truly. I mean, I had some really good jokes in the uh, uh, the end credits that I got removed by committee yes I, I made you remove like the your mom jokes and shit <laughs> um so why'd you cut your mom jokes your mom jokes are the no, best not, not DJs. Not, not djs not dj not dj he D, dj put your mom directly above the in memoriam section i didn't want that oh <laughs> I, I didn't want that and i and i used directorial executive decision to axe that i mean it's funny and timely I have to I have to admit, um, at least a dozen times a day when I'm in my in office job, I have to put up the barrier and not make the your mom jokes when people ask me questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the time. Um otherwise if you guys want to see some of our old stuff, uh you can go to our YouTube channel, Dead Lantern Pictures, and we have our Dead Lantern podcast that we do every couple of weeks that we throw up on YouTube. And you can see the old stuff. You can see a ripper runs through it. Yeah. Uh, from nineteen ninety nine, which is also in the Dead Lantern cinematic universe uh all the way through you know we have the grand horror outpost doom all that stuff we just we can't put anything with boobies because our other youtube channel got nuked by youtube really? uh, without warning they just straight up deleted it and they said you can no longer have it so <laughs> we can't can't put go. any of that stuff on there otherwise uh but you can see a bunch of other dead lantern stuff there very cool awesome well congratulations what? Congratulations! <laughs> I've had a little bit of alcohol. Um, congratulations on the movie. I think uh, this is one that you guys should be really proud of, and I'm really happy for you guys. That I'm glad you got to make your western. You know, like that's big. So, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for telling us all about it. Uh, I can't wait to see whatever it is you guys are doing next, whether that's Tingles or Robo Mummy. It sounds like you have some really exciting stuff going. Is there anything else you want to plug is a or? Word. Before uh, we wrap it up, I want to know what I, I, Mars thought of the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry, Mars. Oh, I loved it. 
I I really liked it. To be honest, um, I mean, I started out a little bit uh, hesitant because, again, I thought I was watching a porn. <laughs> um, and then there was a part of me where I was like, maybe I didn't click the wrong link. And is this a porn? Was I not given the right description of what we're <laughs> reviewing? You. The show taking it. <laughs> Show taking a turn. I okay, um, but no, I actually, I, I really liked it, and I really liked, you know, you really actually start to really care about the characters, the uh, Mock Tuna and Steve, and I um, <laughs> wasn't really expecting to like it as much as I did, to be honest. Don't know if that's rude or not. I'm no, so it's sorry. Fine. No, no, you're you know. fine. Like I don't. So, care. so <laughs> we know Rachel said that her favorites were Devil's Corkscrew, The Ditch. What were your favorites of this? Hysteria. <laughs> yes. High five, Mars. Best. Not problematic at all. <laughs> Rachel's smarter than oh, I am, so please, not we true. have to. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys. We'll discuss it later. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys liked it, and, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm happy that you were able to have a part of it with uh, the copy, Rachel, and for your, your, yeah. uh, you know, saving me from very problematic <laughs> uh, critiques of the Whirlpool of Night done i will say my final thoughts on this movie is this is the best thing that steve eaton has done since he cloned his own bone on a podcast <laughs> oh. and you know what it is steve steve knows that it's good and that he did a good job which makes me feel great because i know it burns his <laughs> so it's just the same thing with dj with me when dj gets those little nicks in we could say steve you did a great fucking job and, and now you like, gotta come oh, back for tingles yeah. steve <laughs> There is no retiring in Dead Lantern. You try. No, we we just get so to burned out, and then we just make these dramatic statements yeah. because we're you divas. are a flounder. and then it turns out you are the king well, of flounder. Not all of us are divas. Some of us are just like no, no, all of us are divas. <laughs> like I, I would have been completely. Mister, happy. I'm taking credit for everything. Yeah, yeah. Good. Like this is basically my film. Like, you know, like Matt was here for a little bit of it, but like if if I wasn't here, it just wouldn't be done honestly and also if you guys want to take a hot car on this like that's completely fine like we're still good with this film it's like it's out there now congratulations congratulations well it's kind of out there some people have seen it awesome okay for those of you at home that uh enjoyed the show and you have some thoughts feel free to drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com or hit us up over on our facebook page if you enjoyed the show this one especially leave us a review on itunes and what to watch for next week for those of you who are playing along we are going to finally do our review of the chernobyl diary so look for oh, is that a is that a good series like i don't know if it's a wonderful series yes it's, a, it's one of the best television shows out there. oh i see what's happening here i got it <laughs> no i i uh no mind. go ahead <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> All right, Mars, take us out. Thanks for coming back, guys, and watch Chernobyl Diaries. We'll catch you next time. And remember, go wide, baby. <laughs> 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 go wide. This is just like are. a puff piece. Gosh, God. All right, just. I mean, I can get my feminist dander up if you want, but I, I would actually, expect no for less. the most part, like really liked the anthology. So it wasn't it, it wasn't as easy to get all up in my up my own ass as I had hoped. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I mean, hysteria has some issues. We're, let's not. Let's... Oh, it does. Does well. I can't <laughs> wait to hear. I cannot just... wait to hear. It. Did, you didn't like Glenda? 
<laughs> was was Glenda a little too much? I'm not for you? ready to go with her grain, but. <laughs> You Listen, gots the girl. Let, let's cut off Matt's like <laughs> yeah, uh, poor procrastination and like uh, um, I may have too too many drinks too. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, uh, seriously, welcome to the stream, queen. Right? <laughs> you fit in great. <laughs> you want to do what? I want to make a I movie in a story. story. Oh, is it about all the ghosts? No. Is it? <laughs> is it Goonies too? It's about one crazy fan of the Goonies who ruined it for everybody, <laughs> and now you can no longer visit the Goonies. He's, mur- yeah, he's murdering all of the original actors in the Goonies. Yeah, I like like no, he wants to, he wants to make the second Goonies movie, and so he kidnaps all of the original cast members and forces them <laughs> like to make oh. a second Goonies I like it. sequel. That's we'll get dark. Josh Brolin in it. Right? Kidnap <laughs> like, Josh Brolin. I mean, what is Martha Plimpton doing? She can't be doing much. Like, let's get them together. No. Let's make it happen. Let's yeah. get Corey Feldman and his settingly manicured eyebrows. It'll be great. <laughs> It'll be great. I am the alpha. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>